This episode is supported by Dove. Over half the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem, which causes them to opt out of important life activities and puts their health at risk. The Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education and teaches the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools and parents. Dove has created and uses educational, evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. You can get these printable resources to help increase self-esteem in the young people in your life at dove.ca slash self-esteem. But Alex... Yeah, Shane. Let's begin this episode. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 83. 83, indeed. 83. It's an awesome one, a super informative one, and interesting one to listen to. I learned a lot from this episode. They're all interesting. They're all informative. Let's face it. You're right. Is this one better than any other? In certain ways. I mean, I I did truly learn things that I hadn't known before. Our first guest on this episode is Jess from Our Mama Village. Our Mama Village is a very popular online community, village, if you will. I'm sorry, babe. I just like my my mind just like blank. Let me just go get a... um... Alex is getting a Diet Coke right now. She doesn't think her mind is quite right. The caffeine in Diet Coke tends to bring out the best in her. So everything okay over there, Alex? Yeah. What's the holdup? Okay, let me let me uh, start over Jess again. Our first guest this week is Jess Vanderweer, who is a therapist for parents. And we get into a lot of it, a lot of you know, maintaining your cool as you are parenting, as you're parenting through a pandemic. And then one of my favorite conversations ever, which was about secrets and keeping... We're not supposed to tell people about that, are we? (laughs) That wasn't a secret. But we do talk about the importance of secrets or not telling secrets. You'll have to wait and see. But... So it is a secret. You're not telling people now. They they can listen and find out. So it is kind of a secret in a way. It's like you got to work for it. We're not going to tell you right now. Our secret's good. Our secret's bad. Ask your mom or ask your dad. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Is that a thing? It was an old commercial, but you don't get it. You're too young, Is it like one of those dare commercials? Kind of, yeah. Oh. Interesting. Anyhow, yeah, Shane's old. I wish I knew that. It sounds like a fun commercial. But our next guest is Sherry Torkis. It's an anti-drug commercial. It's not a fun commercial. It's telling the dangers of like pills and marijuana and cocaine. But does it do it in a fun way? Because I know there used to be actually those funny marijuana commercials on TV. Do you remember those? No. It was like a guy would go. Okay. Anyway. So next we have Sherry Torkis, who is a holistic pharmacist. And with Sherry, we talk about kind of reintegrating into society once everything is over and how to do that safely, what to disinfect. Yeah, just how we're going to reintegrate into society. Obviously, you know, my mom has stage four lung cancer, so I'm concerned about it. You are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You have an autoimmune disease. So uh, we're going to have some guests in the future that talk about this. We're going to have Dr. Drew on, which we're excited about. And uh, we, of course, have Sherry on this episode. And we're just going to get some myths busted (laughs) and some truths are going to be uncovered here. Yeah, no, it's it's a great conversation, and again, we learned a lot, but Shane, cheers, babe. 
Let's see. What, what are we drinking All here? All right. So tonight we have, I don't know what to call, Orangina. We've got Seedlip Non-Alcoholic Spirit. We've got Seedlip Garden 108, which is like the fruity kind of citrus kind. And we just mixed it with some mandarin orange seltzer water. So this isn't some special recipe. No, this is just, you know, throwing it with a splash of what we got in the house. A nice seltzer to go with the orangey taste in the Seedlip. What do you think? Oh, yeah. That's refreshing. Just what the doctor ordered. Right? I know. And Shane, before we get into your topics tonight, <laughs> what? <laughs> just, your vibe is throwing me off. But I'm sure it's fine. Over the airwaves, I'm sure it's fine. It's just, <laughs> okay. you know, you've had to run out and we've had so many breaks. Well, Shane some... had to go and scratch Lucy's back. She's crying in her crib because she wants a back scratch. Lots of interruptions. But Shane, I know you're the topic guy on for the intro. By um, all means, tell me a topic, Alex. Well, I have a bone to pick. You're giving me a look like. No, because anytime you say this, it's always like some comedic setup and then the bone is some real frivolous thing. It's not a frivolous thing. You might think it's a frivolous thing. It's not. We actually have to talk about it. Well, you've piqued my interest. Okay. You will belch outside in our neighborhood loudly. That's a problem? It's such a problem. Like every single night that we're out there playing our sports racket paddleball game, you'll be playing and then you'll be like... Argh! And it's loud. Well, when you drink 42 carbonated waters a day, it's hard not to. Like, I'm surprised I'm even able to not belch. But you can't do it quietly? Like, does it have to be a belch over, like, a quiet burp when we're outside in front of people? I I didn't notice people outside. Yeah, there's sometimes people walking by. Like, I don't know when there's a neighbor sitting on the porch. It's embarrassing. Okay, I'll stop. There, case closed. It's done. Bone picked. Okay, good. All right, now that that's done with, we can get into the real topics. Let's do it. Well, first and foremost, it is uh, it's tax season. Ugh. You know, uh, do you know anything about taxes or tax returns? Does it stress you out? It stresses me out so much. Like, there's a meme, and it, you know, this has been said so many times. It's like the government tells you to, you know, you have to guess a number. You have to do all this math, try to get this number right. They know what the number is. They know how much you have to pay. However, you have to try to guess it on your own. But if you get it wrong, you're going to be in like big trouble. And it's like, well, why don't you just tell me the freaking number? And mm, nobody I remember gets in memes trouble. being a little shorter than this, but okay, I, well, I'm not good at being the meme, explaining the meme. <laughs> is this still in the meme here? I know. No, this is how much taxes I guess have fried my brain this week because that's what I've been doing since Wednesday, and it's it's awful. I'm curious, what number would shock you if we owed? If we owed? Yeah, if we owed, let's say, $15,000 to the government, would that shock you? No. It wouldn't? No. Oh, no. I know, babe. It's 20000 would that shock you? No. Like, I don't know. I'm... Would $30,000 okay, shock 20 you? would shock me. Would $30,000 shock Yes, you? of course. Okay, I guess if 20 shocks you, why wouldn't <laughs> 30? That's a yeah. dumb question on my part. Honestly, I'm scared that it's going to be like 15. Okay. Well, it better not be more than that or... Uh, we're in the poorhouse, babes. Yeah, well, just well, I guess your dad should be scared. My dad, why? Well, he's the one going to get the them? call. <laughs> Tail between our legs. Uh, but yeah, no. And here's the thing: like, we have somebody that does the taxes and fills out the forms. So, like, what I'm doing isn't even considered doing the taxes. It's prepping unquote. the taxes to get done. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and that is—it's the worst. It's a headache. Like knowing the square footage of the house so we can claim the different rooms. Because we're it's, using it yeah. as an office. Like, it's madness. It's always on my mind, which is why I want to, I don't know, do something wild tonight. 
You want to do something wild tonight? Yeah, like I don't know, stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. Like we we never Ooh. we never do that. Or we're always like, in bed before. Like that. Saturday night, like we PVR Saturday Night Live. We never stay up and watch it. Or or maybe go for a walk after this. Let's do it all. I love this. I like this energy because this like I, we could get arrested for saying this, but Nona is staying with us right now. Are, are we going to get fined or arrested? Well, she'll be gone by the time this episode airs. I know, so. but this we're admitting it. Do yeah, I edit this but, out? No, no. It's a here's, lockdown. Here's the thing. And she's a caregiver? She's a caregiver. So people that listen to our podcast that follow me, they know this. So we have our two kids at home. Daycares are not closed in Ontario, although everything else is essentially. But you're allowed to have caregivers. And because of my condition, I have lupus autoimmune. We do not do anything. Like we do less than every single person I know. We've been hermits for a year. However, once a month, Nona gets the PCR test and she quarantines for two weeks. What's the PCR test? It's the swab that they stick in your nose to see if you have COVID or not. Can't you just call it the COVID test? I don't know. I guess. Yeah, yeah. The COVID test. And she quarantines for two weeks and then comes and spends, you know, between a week and two weeks with us. So basically all month she's either prepping to stay with us or staying with us. And we are so lucky to have her help for that week. That's why we're doing our taxes right now because she's here and we have childcare. But she's going back tomorrow. She's going home so tomorrow. tonight it we sucks. have to do everything. I'm talking about watching SNL, going for a walk, getting a taco from Taco Bell. Ooh. Doing a shot. I like where your head's at, babe. I like yeah. where your head's at. I'm really excited for the walk. Maybe. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> of all those things, I would think it would be shot. Taco Bell would be the thing that gets you most excited. Well, no. After the walk, as the walk is coming to an end, I You're can already need feel a shot. it. Well, hold on. Hear me out, okay? Mm -hmm. As the walk is ending, I'm going to be really feeling the Taco Bell. But I say we fill a little, you know, a little travel mug with a little glass of wine and take that on our walk. Oh, wine and walking. Imagine we got fined for... Drinking during the lockdown we're the only people to get fined for drinking in public <laughs> they wouldn't know we're just a couple parents having a late night coffee yeah well we're gonna have to put it in maybe like a i don't know diet coke can or something babe we'll do it it'll make me feel like i'm in college again we need this excitement in our life see this is the kind of thing that i'm craving the kind of rebellion that i'm craving like i don't want to actually be a rebel i have nothing to rebel against but i think you know wine going for a neighborhood stroll is ideal <laughs> what no, it's funny. I like this. I, I love, I'm excited for tonight. Okay, Alex, we talk about it a lot. You're writing a book. I'm writing a book. But I'm in a book club and that is stressing me out more, <laughs> more than you writing a book ever will stress you out. Okay. So I, I, I'm, this is an emergency. They're, they want to start talking about the book that we're reading in the book club in May. Guess when May is? Is that a week away? Yeah. Pretty much Monday, okay. next Monday. Okay, hold on. So you are reading a book called The Lush Life. You started a book club with some of your guy friends. Your They started it. I joined. Right. And your boy group is called the Champagne Boys. So this is the Champagne Boys book club. Alex, that's a secret. <laughs> We're men, okay? We're called the Champagne Boys. Like, it's not a boy. Yeah. Anyhow, so you're a man club. And it's just a group of friends. It's not a club. But it is a book club that the men who are in this group, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay, so who wrote The Lush Life? I don't know. All right, so that's something good to know for your book club discussion. I have to read the book, Alex. Well, I'm on page 30. I was going to ask about that because I know you had one 
really good night in the bathtub where you got through a lot of pages. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You had a bath and you were reading in the bath and you fell asleep, but you were. I didn't having... get through a lot. I got th- I got through eight pages that night. Oh, okay. I woke up and the book was floating in the tub. <laughs> Who told you I got a, I thought, a lot of reading done? I thought, I thought you got a lot of reading done. No, I got a lot of sleeping done. I got some good shut-eye, but the book was just floating in the tub. So that's why the pages are all ruined on the book. Anyway, my good session, I got 22 pages read. That's fantastic. Thanks. Point is, next starting Sunday, I need to read for at least an hour and a half a night. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, hey, let's make it a book week. While I'm in the tub reading my book, you're working on your book. I think that's a great idea. You haven't touched your book in a while. Well, I know. So here's a good excuse. It's a great excuse. And I haven't touched my book in a week and a half. And I think this is the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. So this week... Is that a burp, Alex? Was that a burp? Sorry, it was a burp. It wasn't a belch. Did you hear it? I wish I did hear it because the way you turn away, I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. It looks like you're swallowing your own vomit. It's actually worse than had I heard an audible belch. Get out of here. It isn't. You're like... (laughs) Shane. And just because you do it off mic and the audience can't hear you doesn't mean I can't hear it. Nobody heard it. You said you didn't hear it. I heard it. I smell it too. You don't smell it. Don't gross people out like that. It's not smelly. Anyhow... I think that's a great idea. It's book week. But Shane, what is your book about so far? Like the 30 pages in? It keeps jumping around from characters. So there's this police officer, Lugo, and then it switches to like the, this gang life. It's it's like the show The Wire where it hops oh, around okay. and shows different facets of, of crime. And uh, yeah, so I don't know much. <laughs> okay. And what time period is it like? Johnny's got some dope on him. Like it's no, like- no, it's like modern okay. day. Yeah, no, we'll get it done. You're gonna shock yourself, and you know, I think once you start reading and really get into it, then you're just gonna start reading quicker. How many pages is the book? Well, let me, let me get it. Jesus, this thing's like a dictionary. <laughs> what the heck? It didn't look this big in the tub. Oh, it is a long book, Shane. Okay, let's do some math here. It's four 400- hundred. Yeah, I'm not going to read the acknowledgments, so it is 455 pages long. So let's do some math. You got to do 60 pages a day, Shane. That you can do that. You okay. can do it. There it is. That's that. That's what was on my mind. You're going to finish your book. Finish. <laughs> oh, you try to write 10 pages a day. 10. Five pages a day. Jesus, Louise, Shane. I could do. I could do. I could do. In an hour and a half a day, you couldn't write five pages. I don't. I don't know anything. No, because I'm like researching and writing and editing. I could do like two pages. My birthday's coming up. Your birthday's coming up. And you revealed my secret birthday gift. I'm bad at I don't know if our first guest would approve of that. Our first guest? Oh, because the secrets. So I just looked you in the eye and I said, I know what you've got me for my birthday. And you went, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. You said, well, what is it then? And I said, you've rented out a movie theater. <laughs> and you're like, gulp. You're like, well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. And I was like, it's that, isn't it? You're like, maybe, maybe not. Would you want to know or not? I'm like, the way you're acting, it is. You're like, no, it's not. And then anyway. And no, you told me, you're like, I'm real mad if this is it and you don't tell me now. So I was like, all right, it is. It would be stupid if I guessed what it was. You went, uh-uh, and then took me there. Like, not well, only would I not be surprised, I would be upset you didn't fess up. <laughs> well, look, I was trying to weigh the pros and cons while kind of keeping on a thread there, deciding if I should tell you or not. And 
in the end, I determined that telling you and the benefits of you knowing outweigh anything else. Because then day of, you know, if you wanted to, if you change your mind last minute about what movie you want to see, like right now we're planning on watching Swingers. Well, it's a lockdown. It probably is not going to happen anyway. I know that. It's also Lucy's birthday. So Lucy's doing the thing where she wants a puppy. I know. It's adorable and it's heartbreaking and it's kind of annoying because I don't know where she picked it up. Do you think we will ever give in to her wanting puppy? I already want to give in even though I don't want a dog. I already want to give in. Like she she really does that thing. Like she looks at you with those eyes. It's She's like that emoji, you know, that cute face That's why they call puppy emoji. dog eyes. Yeah. And she goes, mommy. Oh yeah. She goes, I know what I want for my birthday. And I go, what? She goes, can I have a puppy? I want a puppy for my birthday. And it's like the cutest thing. And it's also like, no, I don't want to take care of a dog on top of two kids and have it pooping all in my backyard that we have all the kids toys in. Well, already the second she says it, I'm like, well, who's going to take care of it? And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm like every person out of every movie in the world. But I, yeah, I'd like to not give in. But by the time Lucy's 20, will she have a dog, you think? Yeah. Okay. So one, we're going to get a family dog. We'll get a family. You got, that's a part of the experience, you know, just, it's a part of the life thing. I say we got to do it, but we do it after the years where they're little kids and we're always playing in the backyard then no one wants a a dog what do you mean by the time they get past those years they're just like fooling around in the basement with their friends (laughs) no i mean like you know when they're like 10 8 or 10 we get a dog still we're just going to be taking care of it the lawn we we could put it into their chores no we have this nice lawn i don't even care if it is in the chores you're gonna miss a turd and then you're yeah. stepping on poop in the backyard like you have the most beautiful your parents the house you grew up in mm-hmm. it was the most beautiful backyard looking over the escarpment scared to walk because there's <laughs> dog poop and your parents are very responsible pet owners I know. but there was always i must have stepped in dog poop in your backyard eight times there was always a rogue piece somewhere that they didn't see or... and even if you get all the poop you gotta smush some into the grass blades i know so if you're rolling around on the like you know playing with your friends you smell like poop when you come in the house <laughs> so i don't want our we have this nice big backyard i don't want lucy coming in with poop remnants on her shirt because she decided to wrestle with one of her friends <laughs> say wrestle having fun being a kid you can't be a kid in a backyard fully if there's dog poop because you're scared every second no i know and here's the thing and, and that's why i'm saying we don't if we do the dog thing we don't do it until they're old enough that they're not playing in the backyard anymore. But you think eight to ten, you don't play in a backyard? That's when I start playing in the backyard. Yeah, I, no, they're not going on their like little tiny baby swing set and stuff. Eight to ten. Oh, they're... the swing set. I'm not worried about poop. I was playing. In, I was wrestling in the backyard <laughs> between eight to ten. That, I used to wrestle all the time. And if someone didn't have a dog, that was the house we all went to and played on the grass. Shane, we football, live, tackle football. We live a block away from a school with the basketball court. That's where they'll be playing their sports and running around. We live Not like when you're eight. We have a great, you know, bike path thing beside our house. They'll be doing stuff on there, biking, skateboarding. Sometimes you want to get into the the grass. You want to we play on that grass. Lawn. Yeah, the, you don't think the dog will poop on the front lawn? No, we won't let the dog poop on the front lawn. You don't want to wrestle on the front lawn, though, with neighbors watching. When I was a kid, <laughs> I I didn't like being watched by neighbors. And our community watches us too much. Like, like, it's fun for adults. Like, I love the neighbors watching us and looking out. But kids don't like neighbors watching them play. The backyard's going to be the haven. That haven's going to turn into a hell if a dog gets back there 
shitting everywhere. Excuse my language. Okay, is there such thing as like training a dog to poop in a litter box type thing? You know the guy with the beard? Um, the music producer with the beard, he produced all the Beastie Boys albums, Rick Rubin. Oh, Rick Rubin, yeah, yeah. Is that his name, Rick Rubin? Yeah. He lets the animals shit on the floor in his house. No, he does not. He does. It's not that he doesn't want it in the backyard, it's just that he wants the animals to go where they want to go. What? I know. Are I, you serious? How do you know that? That's serious. I, I listened to Howard Stern on Sirius Radio and he had a guest who mentioned that. Oh my, that's... Might have been another podcast, but yeah. But wait a second, that is disgusting because then it's not only like maybe accidentally getting on your shoe when you want to wrestle your friends but that's like if you don't find a turd and the dog went in your house well i think i think i think if a dog is going in your house one of the benefits is you're definitely going to find it well maybe not not all the poops are super smelly i don't know what dogs you've been pooping the dogs i've been pooping okay next topic (laughs) oh rick rubin's gross man Okay, this is just a question. I'm pulling questions off the internet, you know. We've been in a pandemic for a year. We've talked to each other about everything under the sun. <laughs> so sometimes old Shaney boy runs out of things to say. Do you want what's best for your child or what's best? Underlined question mark. What's best for my child or what's best? Yeah. Do you want what's, what's best for your child or what's best? So it's natural for parents to advise their children to pursue the safe, predictable, and practical route. Parents do this because they don't want their child to experience uncertainty or discomfort. This is the good path, but is it the best path? Well, here's In most cases, <laughs> no. The best path is usually the one that's full of challenges, obstacles, and disappointments. It might even be full of the F word. Failure. Uh, Failure. Shane, can I interrupt? Winning parents distinguish between <laughs> good and best and continually encourage their children to choose best. So what do you want? Well, I was going to say, like, we recently had a podcast episode with Sonia Curry, mother of Steph Curry, and then uh, with Dr. Michelle Borba, who wrote the book Thrivers. And both of them, like, we had really in-depth conversations about the importance of failing and how that can teach your kid to get to the next level the fastest. And there's a Harvard study that was put out saying that letting your kids fail and fail early and then learning from that is the quickest road to success in whatever it is they want to pursue. So... It's going to be hard as all hell to do that, I think, because, you know, you don't want to see your kid get upset. You don't want to see them get sad when they fail and things like that. Like, that's going to be hard. But, you know, I'm not going to do their assignments for them and I'll let them fail if they don't put the work in and things like that. Like, I want to, but I foresee that being something that'll be difficult as they get older. What about you? See, when I first read the question, I thought it was asking, do you want to do things that society thinks is right right for your child or what's right for your child? Mm -hmm. And I thought we'd have an interesting discussion if it went down the road of do we want our child to go to university or if we know they're not suited for it, do Mm -hmm. we say, no, just be a, I don't know, YouTuber instead Mm -hmm. because you have filmmaking qualities or be a stand-up comedian or be an actress or go be an NBA player. See, why can't they do all of that, though, and then have, like, a more well-rounded, holistic life education? Well, if you want to be a stand-up comedian, you got to get in the circuit young if you really want to make it. And you can go to university at any time. And if you don't make it and you're 25, like, I went to school when I was 25. I was a mature student so what in was name it? only. I, <laughs> I, I know that you did that, and I actually didn't know the process of that. So how did that happen? Because you didn't get your high school diploma. Yet you still went to well. If you if you apply as a mature student, you don't need your high school diploma, okay, or your GED or anything. 
But truth be told, I did get rejected from Mohawk College, which is a community college in Hamilton. But my girlfriend at the time did get accepted. So I wrote a letter to Mohawk saying, listen, my girlfriend got in. She doesn't give a shit about film or television, nor does she have any skills in that area yet. I've been working in television since I was 15 years old. I have all these short films that made it uh, into film festivals. Mm-hmm. I've, I've made a documentary that is an award-winning thing that's being shown at like NYU. And I didn't make it into your program yet. My girlfriend did. She only applied for the program so we could do this course together because mm-hmm. we wanted to be together. And she thought I would be a shoe in So they removed her from the program <gasps> and then included me. They asked her, Right. They said, you got the last spot. BS. That is BS. Okay, so was your, you were obviously very successful there, and that's like what? I wasn't, though. I no, wasn't but, even successful there. No, but in a, in a sense. I wasn't, though. I was like one of the worst <laughs> students at Mohawk. <laughs> the only reason that they liked me was because I was successful outside of the program. They didn't like me that much in the program. They thought I was like a goof or something you and they, are be, a goof i know but it was a very technical program and i thought it was going to be more creative based so wait was your girlfriend that got asked to give up her spot for you which is a wild thing to do i can't believe they did that was she ever resentful even a little bit why do you think she's my ex-girlfriend <laughs> that woman's name katie Couric. no um, <laughs> no um no she had no interest in television so she didn't care so what did she do? Did she just go into a different program? Yeah, she or? went to like a cooking program. Okay, interesting. And she, got, she bought all these knives and stuff and she started like, I don't think she ended up, she bought all the knives for the cooking program and then I don't even think she did the cooking program. She was very nice though. She ended up being a stewardess after that and oh. moved, moved to Dubai, happily married right now to yeah. a, a, an Irishman. Oh, it's Ashley. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Uh, that's hilarious. Okay, I guess it's time for us to get to our interview with Jess Vanderweer from Our Mama Village. But before we do that, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Hello Bello. Being a parent is hard, like really hard. So when you go to get diapers to prevent the next eventual blowout, finding a diaper that's absorbent and soft without spending a fortune shouldn't be just as tough. Co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, Hello Bello is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. And trust us, we've been through it all. When we had Lucy, we tried every diaper brand and I promise you they are the best. They are the best, and their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun, rotating designs throughout the year. And they do stop rotating once you get them in your home. (laughs) Can you imagine if they didn't? But each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-size product freebie with your first order. Plus, you can get 15% off any of the add-ons like the bubble bath, the wipes, the diaper rash cream, the detangler. They have so much. It's going to shock you. So to get Hello Bellows super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door, go to hellobello.ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree30 for 30% off your diaper bundle order now that's gonna shock you it's if you a, didn't know you were getting 30 percent off that is shocking and that's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowout saved that's hellobello.ca promo code this family tree 30 to start bundling with 30 percent off your first order so don't forget that is hellobello.ca promo code this family tree 30 this promo is applicable to canadians only and not something that you want to sleep on but we are also supported by 
Mabel's labels. Frustrated by her children's things getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew that they could do better than just scribbling their kids' names on some masking tape. From there, Mabel's Labels has grown to be an award-winning, market-leading company loved by moms, dads, and kids ah, alike. Ah, she said dads. I included you this week. Yeah, it is loved by all of us. And, you know, Lucy loves them because her labels are in the shapes of hearts, they have cherries on them, hedgehogs, whatever she loves, she can get online with me and we can design them together, which is really fun. And Shane and I love Mabel's labels because their product line features baby bottle labels, allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, and seasonal items. And they're indestructible. They are, essentially. I mean, you could put them in the laundry, the dishwasher, and the microwave, and they're all 100% guaranteed. So head on over to mabelslabels.ca to start creating your very own labels and use the promo code thisfamilytree15 for 15% off your order. They deliver internationally and offer free standard shipping in Canada and the US. Again, that is mabelslabels.ca and thisfamilytree15. But now let's get to our interview with Jess. Are, are you ready, Jess? Are you good to go? Yeah, I'm good to go. I don't really know what we're talking about, but I'm good to talk about whatever. That's good. See, that's the <laughs> way we like it too. We like to keep it loose. We like to keep it chatty. But Jess, I want to welcome you back on because you were on episode 29 of our yes. podcast ages ago. And so much has changed since then. We were just notified actually this Friday is our two-year anniversary of it. And you were on the first few months. So wow. welcome that's back. That's amazing. Congrats yeah. to you guys. That's no, awesome. Thank you. And to you, I mean, you are doing so well online. I mean, girlfriends in my mom groups are constantly sending your infographics and things around, oh, like wow. in our like you know our mom chat groups and things. So you are so helpful, and I am so excited to have you back on. So Jess, if you could let our listeners know for those of you that are hearing you possibly for the first time, what it is that you do. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a registered psychotherapist. I live here in Ontario where I think you guys are too, yeah. uh, which is awesome. That's so cool. And I am the founder of Our Mama Village. So Our Mama Village is an online platform. Mostly we're on Instagram that we provide support for parents in the postpartum and early years of parenting. So we do that through online courses and free education through our Instagram and uh, Facebook pages. Nice. So, you know, being in Ontario, like us, we are mm -hmm. all kind of going through hell right now. We are in a third, yeah. <laughs> very strict lockdown. And, you know, Jess, I know you in particular uh, have in common with, with me. We both had pandemic babies. We mm -hmm. both had babies in 2020. And just all of this, whether you are a new mom, whether you have been a mom for ages, like just people without kids, we're all going through some really tough stuff. So I wanted to talk about parental well-being. Mm -hmm. And as a psychotherapist and dealing primarily with parents, what are some complaints that you're hearing from people like during this crazy time? Yeah, for sure. And I feel like the complaints over the year have kind of changed. And I'm sure you're feeling that too, right? At the beginning of the pandemic. So I had my baby in March, 2020. So literally Whoa. the world shut down. I stopped seeing clients. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a nice mat leave. And then, oh, okay. Everything shut down and you're about to have a baby. So when I had my daughter, it was just a crazy time. And so then I think a lot of the anxieties, at least that I was facing and my clients, which I felt bad for leaving them right at the time when everything yeah. uh, happened, but we were really nervous about what is COVID how are our kids going to do? How are they going to fare? And what is the hospital system like? Am I going to be birthing alone? Like all of these things were really big concerns. 
now a year later, I think it's a lot of, we've been isolated for an entire year already. So it's a lot of loneliness, a lot of like, how much longer can I go through this? I think at the beginning we were like, okay, well, you know, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, but now we're like, okay, it's already been a year. A lot of concerns about social development for their children and just burnout. I think moms, I think majority dads too are are feeling burnt out right now. And that's the majority of what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. So the social element, I hear that a lot. Alex always talking about how concerned she is with it. How real is that of a problem? So for what I would be concerned about is not actually kids under the age of five. And so I'm hearing a lot of parents that are really concerned about their kids' social development. But what the research has shown us even before the pandemic is that kids under five, what they really need and how they develop is with that primary caregiver. So if that's their parent, then having that interaction with you, that relationship with you is really the basis of how they form their socialization and the extra the extras are great. Like if they can get that extra socialization with friends and it's nice for them and it's great. And like I know my daughter is extremely social and like thrives and she can have that, but they'll be okay without it. For me, I'd be more concerned about, and I am more concerned about that, like age 10 plus, like those teenage years, those preteen years, those are the years really when we start to see more of like a peer orientation. So kids are starting to develop and learn social cues from their peers And I think that that's a really, really tough age to be right now and Mm -hmm. for parents with kids that age as well. And do you have any tips for parents with kids that age that want to continue to implement, you know, like just proper lockdown living, I guess, without breaking rules? Like what can they do to to help their kids out? Because that's something Shane and I haven't even thought of because our kids are so young. Yeah, exactly. I think so much of the parenting world is focused on those kids under five, but a lot of my work actually in my practice is with those school-age kids and older kids. So I think that they do often kind of get missed in our conversations. I think just doing what we can to allow them to have that social time. So face, I know everyone's so sick of face. Like I don't even want to suggest it because everyone's (laughs) sick of it, including me. I'm sick of suggesting it. But FaceTime when you can, Zoom. I know people, like I see some of my neighbors have kids that age and I see them out there even if they have masks on, but they're still playing street hockey or just trying to do things outside when safe. But just recognizing as a parent, like when your child wants so desperately to play with their friends, like that is a need that they have. And to just see what kind of measures even safely, even if it is like outdoor, whatever, street hockey with a mask on, to allow them to have that time. But I know there's not any super great options right now, which is part of what sucks about what's happening right now. What about video games? Like I know a lot of kids play Call of Duty and they're wearing like a headset and a (laughs) a lot of parents don't like that. But in a way, is that a good way to have that socialization that they're lacking right now? Yeah. You know, I think of course everything in moderation, but some, yeah, for some kids or even some adults, like my, my husband has a younger brother. It's quite a bit younger than him. He's just in his early twenties. And for him, video games, like as a single guy who lives on his own and is friends with a lot of like bachelor single guys, like that's how he's connected with people throughout this pandemic too. Mm -hmm. And though it might not be the best way, like that's kind of the only way. Right. So um, I, I'd be mindful, especially like your 10, 11 year olds, what kind of video games they're, they're playing, of course, but I don't think that it's not like necessarily all bad or. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they can learn the good swears and burns of the day. You know, they're not getting that in high school. So they obviously right. can uh, get that through the video games. Yeah, that's good advice, Alex. Teach your kids to swear early yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so for all parents, whether your kids are, you know, school aged, young, I find that, I mean, not even with our kids, but just stuck in the houses, doing everything from the home, not having that release where you might be able to go on a vacation, you can, you know, go to the gym, whatever. It's just hard to keep patience. And you are quicker to snap, you are quicker to get annoyed, like Shane and I with each other us with the kids, the kids with us probably. And I know that it's obviously not just our household. This is just one of those things that happens, you know? And what is something that we can do to help us when it comes to the people around us and keeping our patience and keeping our cool and staying kind? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. It's so hard when your normal coping strategies, like going to the gym or something like that are taken from you. I think as a couple and especially as parents, prioritizing, still having some time to yourself or time apart, I think is really helpful. So my husband and I, I'm not sure if you guys both work together all the time, but my husband just was off work for six weeks because he was between jobs. And um, so he just started his job, but we are together every day, all day for six weeks, both parenting the kids, both being home. Like it's a lot and you mm -hmm. don't have like a space <laughs> to go. And like, we have been together forever and our best friends, but yeah, you can get in each other's hair. So what we found really helpful was to be able to have that time to say like, I'm going to take the kids from this time to this time. And you just get to be by yourself. And like, whether that's in a room of the house or we're going out for a walk or something to give yourself and have some routine of time and space, uh, just built into your life. Because otherwise I think if you are all together all the time, there's no routine kind of built in for that then you're just losing that, that element of self-care that otherwise might just naturally kind of come about with your, your day-to-day -day life. So that's something that we did. So he, like, he has a gym in our basement. So he would go down there for an hour workout, or I might say, okay, you're going to have the kids. I'm just going to go on a walk by myself and just take that time. And just to get those little mental breaks during the day. Now, obviously there's times when, uh, you know, you don't have the coping mechanisms and you do snap. Now, mm -hmm. when, when I was growing up, something totally that would never happen is a parent apologizing to the child. Because I don't yes. know, it would it would almost be like a, a power shift and giving the power to the child, which would be antithetical to parenting to a lot of parents. Now, mm -hmm. how important is it to apologize to a child when you've uh, snapped on them? Yeah, it's. I would say it's really important. And especially now, like you said, we're all home and we are probably snapping on our kids a little bit more. I saw a quote by my friend, Erica, she has a page called happy as a mother. And it was something like, you know, I'm not an angry parent. I'm a burnt out parent and something like that. And it's so true. Like when we're burnt out, we're going to snap a lot more. And so, yeah, apologizing is really key. Like our kids, they don't know that just because I yelled at you, but I actually still really love you. And I'm totally fine with you now that I've let this blown over. They don't know that. And so it can leave a lot for them to try and interpret and understand. And also they're feeling overwhelmed and they're feeling the burnout too. So something that we can keep in mind for ourselves and to have compassion on ourselves is when we do lose our cool with our kids, which is inevitably going to happen, we can go back and we can repair the relationship. And that can just look as simple as like, 
I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled. I was feeling really overwhelmed. And that doesn't mean that you don't hold your child accountable for their behavior, but you can apologize for your own. So just taking responsibility for your behavior. Mm -hmm. And do you have any strategies that might help us cool down before we are too quick or short tempered or anything like that? Yeah. So in the moment, like I find it helpful to take a deep breath and remember that I don't have to respond right away. Like that can be really helpful for me. So like if I have two kids, so if my one daughter hits the other daughter or something like that, I can separate them, allow her to calm down and allow myself to calm down before responding. Because I find when we're trying to react all the time, then it makes it a lot quicker to yell or to have a big reaction like that. Mm -hmm. So trying to take that space for myself before I like open my mouth, because otherwise you just open your mouth. You're like, oh, that's not what I meant to say. And then you have to go back and do that apologize process. and then really noticing your own capacity too. So like when I notice when I'm really tired or sleep deprived and I'm having a hard day, then I need to maybe have less uh, expectations for how the day is going to go. Maybe we watch a little bit more TV. Maybe we just try and get outside more, be gracious and gentle on myself ahead of the time that we're even in that conflict Mm -hmm. that I find that's helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of us, I think are getting to the point where we are feeling just fatigued, the COVID fatigue. Mm -hmm. And it's not only, you know, causing people to kind of lose patience or just have that. It's like the constant, for me, it's like a constant nagging and discomfort and like crawling out of my skin. I want to do something, but I don't know what, and nothing can kind of solve it for me. But also just comes in the form of stress. Like there's always a million things to do. Shane and I are running around the house like chickens with their heads cut off. And it's not until like nine o'clock at night that we're sitting there relaxing. So what can we do to, it's like these things that we have to do aren't going to go away. So what can we do to help minimize the stress that comes with it all with parenting, working, not leaving? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. I wish I had like a really easy answer. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel the same. Like, I think we, I can relate so much to that. Like my husband and I too, we're busy, we're working, we have the kids. And then, yeah, sometimes not by nine, nine thirty at night that you're sitting down and really, you know, you should be going to bed, but <laughs> because your kids are still going to wake you up. So yeah, it, it's hard. An acronym that I always remember and think about is the acronym NEST. And it's really an acronym that helps you just kind of take care of yourself realistically Uh, So N being nutrition, not necessarily eating like the healthiest food ever, but like just trying to eat three meals a day. We know if you eat regularly during the day, eat at regular intervals, like your blood sugar is going to be at better levels, which is going to make you less stressed. So just making sure you eat and like saying to parents, like coffee is not a meal. Um, (laughs) Because I know for me, especially once I had the second kid, I would forget to have breakfast all the time. Like it's just, it's so busy in the morning. So trying to have something substantial to eat and then E is exercise. And again, not like telling parents to do like a hit routine every day, but (laughs) you can try and move your body for 30 minutes a day. That's going to help your mental health. It's going to help relieve stress and help you feel better. So even if that's like just getting outside and playing with the kids for 30 minutes, I know it's snowing today. So that's like, (laughs) really the last thing we needed. Yeah. Playing with the kids outside, going for a walk, doing a kitchen dance party, just trying to move your body uh, once a day is going to be helpful. 
S is sleep. So I know this is a really hard one, especially for parents, (laughs) but Research shows us that the symptoms of sleep deprivation and anxiety and depression are all the same. So often I have parents come to me who are saying, I'm really depressed. And also, you know, I don't sleep because my child doesn't sleep or I stay up really late and just don't get enough sleep. And so sleep is one of those first things that I look at. And what can really help is trying to prioritize just one four hour chunk of sleep a night. So even if the rest of the sleep is broken because you have a baby who's waking up a lot, but if you're in um, a relationship where you're able to do that and the partner is able to give the other partner at least four hours a night of restorative sleep, that can dramatically increase your mental health and decrease stress. So that's something that I coach a lot of the parents I work with on. How does that look practically? Like going to bed earlier or somebody like taking night shifts? So especially for parents in those earlier days of parenthood where your baby's waking up all the time at night, um, I really do recommend like prioritizing sleep. So if that does mean that your baby goes to bed at 7.30 and you go to bed at 7.30 because you know you can get that one four-hour chunk of sleep and just doing that just for even a little while and just to allow your mental health to kind of catch up and allow you to get that restorative sleep. Uh, sometimes it looks like taking shifts. So we had some friends who were really struggling and their baby wasn't sleeping well. So they ended up being able to give her a bottle at night and the parents would take shifts. So they would do like two, six hour shifts or something like that. So that each parent would for sure at least have a chunk of that restorative sleep, which really helped improve their mood, which just helped improve everything else. So And I say to parents always, like, it can just be for a time. It doesn't mean that you're always going to bed for the rest of your child's life at 730, because that would just sound horrible. Like, no parent wants to do that. But if it's for a time and it can allow you to get that restorative sleep, that can really help with your mood and help kind of set the stage for everything else. Now, any tips for kids that are just acting out, out of boredom or frustration or fatigue? How do you handle them? Oh, it's so hard. I know my (laughs) daughter has been doing that as well. I don't know. Um, Right now, I think kids are bored, especially. uh, How old is your oldest daughter? About three. She's three. Okay. Yeah. So she's a year younger than my daughter. But yeah, that age three to four, because they're realizing that they want the social interaction. They want to get out and they can't. I'm trying to build some routine into our day. I find that that's been really helpful. For a while, we were just kind of doing whatever every single day, and it wasn't really working super well. So now in the morning, we wake up, we have our breakfast, then we try and go for a walk or go outside. Then we come back, we have lunch, we watch a little show, and then we either try and get back outside or we'll do like a craft or something then. Um, I've been finding building in that routine for screen time, first of all, so that they're not asking for it all day. It's like they know from this time to this time, that's when you watch a screen, that's when your sister's sleeping. And this is when we go outside. That seems to help a lot with the boredom. It's just having some kind of pattern that they can follow and they can make sense of in their mind, which is similar to what they'd have if they were in daycare or school Mm -hmm. or something like that. And how did you start implementing that with her? Like, did you just start doing it or did you make a schedule or a calendar or like, you know, how, how vocal were you? 
Yeah, I didn't make her a schedule or a calendar, but some kids might really, she probably would have really loved that, but I just, <laughs> I just didn't do that. But I did tell her the night before. So we're going to start doing something new. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to be really fun. We're going to try and get out every morning. And I was really good about this actually last summer when she was three, um, because I just had had my baby and like, I needed to have some routine and some consistency. Yeah. I just kind of told her the story. I told her what's happening. I let her kind of have some input into where we might go. We would always call it like an adventure and we'd try and like check out a new park or check out a new hiking trail or something like that. But yeah, it, it worked really well and it does work really well for kids to at least have some structure and to know what's coming next. Yeah. See, that's good. And we talk to a lot of people or I'm friends with a lot of people who are really big into making those visual components. I'm not going to do that probably. And I, I probably should. And I want to, I always want to, and I have good intentions, but I won't, I don't know what to put on the visual component. I suck at that kind of thing. And I find, especially Shane, he's really good at communicating with Lucy and getting her ready for certain things. And like, cause he's the one that if she's acting out, he'll take her aside and he'll get on her level and, you know, tell her what she's doing is wrong, why it's wrong, the impact it had, whatever. And he also prepares her for like next steps. Cause I've been freaking out and I've been thinking about getting her on a routine, right? Where maybe we implement something that's like so play-based, but very much like in the learning vein. And I'm super nervous because she's going to go into a big kid bed soon. And I'm nervous that that change is going to totally throw her off. Like, I don't know. I keep I telling think she her. She wants the big kid bed though. She's done with the crib. Well, because she wants, I think mm -hmm. I, it, it makes me nervous. The reasons that she wants it for, like, is she going to try to escape and be yes. wild? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does she say when she says she wants her big kid bed? Well, she's just like, I hate the crib. I hate it here. And, and she asked what the things on the crib were like the, like, I was bars. like, I was like, they're bars, but I was trying to make yeah. it not sound like a prison. And she's, yeah. it was like, she knew, but she wanted me to say it like, yeah, it's like prison bars like that. So she wants to be free and like playing out of the bed. That's I think that's so the play. Funny. Yeah. So you know, like in, in prepping her for this and when that time does come, because I, I know we're going to go through and we're going to be in quarantine still. Is there mm -hmm. going to be a way that we can kind of ease this transition, not just for her, but for ourselves, like keep our own sanity? Because I keep telling her we're going to do this when she does turn three, which is May 12th. Okay. Yeah. So it's coming up. Yeah. So Oh, you hear so many horror stories about yeah. the transition to <laughs> yeah, having a big bed. It's not always horrible. So give you guys some hope. We transitioned and my daughter was the same. She just realized all of a sudden that she was in jail and she didn't want that anymore. It was probably around <laughs> the same age. And she, then she started trying to climb out and then that was it. So we, we changed her over. My biggest suggestion would be try and include her in the process as much as you can. Give her responsibilities like what we did is we had a toddler bed and we went out again. I'm not sure if we can do this now, but we went to Walmart together and we chose new bedding. We talked a lot about what it was going to look like, that it was her special room. This is what it's going to look like that she had to stay in bed. So we set the expectations for it all ahead of time as much as we possibly could. And then in those first weeks when she was in the bed, instead of waiting for her to get out and kind of like explore on her own, we would just do check-ins more frequently with her 
and try and notice the good and praise her while she was already in her bed versus waiting for her to come out and then trying to discipline her for coming out. So I would go in like every five, 10 minutes, I would give her little toys that she could play with in her bed and kind of set her room up. So it was fun and she didn't want to come out. And then I would just check in on her. And I found that that process worked a lot better when in my practice, I would often see parents kind of do the opposite and wait for their kids to come out. And that's when you can get really stuck in those bad habits where then the kids come out then you take them back. And then that's kind of what everybody's afraid of when they're transitioning their kids. So how do you feel, how do you feel about the locks like that? So they can't open the door from the inside of their room because it's like I told my mom that and she was kind of worried at first she's like well what if there's an emergency and I said well if what happens if there's an emergency right now and she's in the crib she can't get out as it is so if I put those it's like a thing that goes over the door handle and then they have to like you have to squeeze it to open Mm -hmm. is that an okay thing to do or electrical wires maybe (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, a lot of parents do it. And so I don't think it's not necessarily like not okay or okay. I think you'll have to feel her out and see what mm. she's like. She's wild. You know, she, she's wild. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. If you're worried about safety, like for yeah. me, if you're worried she's going to be wandering your house in the middle of the night, then it would be more safe to have that on the door than to potentially have her wander around your house. But if she's not a child who's going to wander, then it would be more safe to not have it on the door. So I think it's a really an individual choice based on your own child because you know them best and obviously keeping them safe is first. So I don't think it's necessarily like a right or wrong thing. If you're worried she's going to be in your kitchen at 3 a.m., then yeah, I might have it on there. (laughs) No, perfect. I saw something that you were writing about recently on Our Mama Village, your Instagram page, and it was on obedience versus compliance and raising kids who feel confident in asking questions. And I think like Shane was kind of saying earlier when you were asking about uh, apologizing to your kids and Mm -hmm. how, you know, there was a generation of parents or multiple generations of parents who didn't do this because then there was kind of a shift in the power dynamic. Yeah, I think we're in the first generation of parents considering apologizing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, it's okay. It's respectful. Yeah. 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 And when I was reading the obedience versus compliance versus raising kids who are assertive and ask questions and do, you know, figure out why things are the way they are, I was thinking, yeah, parents didn't really do that either. Same with teachers, educators. It was very much this is the rule, my way or the highway, you listen to it, you don't need to know the reasons why, that's just the way it is. And I know in education, that is hugely shifting as well. Uh, But what does this look like in the real world, like raising kids to be assertive and as parents, being able to keep our cool with all the why questions and all the boundary Mm -hmm. testing? Yeah, it's definitely tough. Like we want to raise these little leaders, But then also it's hard to raise them because they're always asking you so many questions. Mm -hmm. I like to think about the greater goal. And I like to think about, you know, someday my daughter being, if she's in a tough work environment or if she's in a situation that's unsafe, that she'll be willing to question it. And that she'll be willing to say like, actually, just because you're my boss or just because, you know, you're my coach doesn't mean I necessarily have to just take everything that you say and just and go ahead and do that just because you're in that leadership position. So for me, trying to keep that greater goal in mind is really helpful. And actually my husband is way better at me than than that. 
because I think when you're the parent that's with them most often, I mean, yeah, it can be really tiring a lot of the time in terms of the actual situation when they're asking you a million questions, right? When you say, I'm just trying to think of an example of a question they might say. Oh, and you say, um, you can't touch the stove, let's say, or, you know, you can't help me cook dinner. Well, why? Well, you know, and then you start to go through all these questions and then it can be really, really challenging. So I try and follow a few steps, like answer as factually as I can without like needing to like explain it for hours on end, be like the stove is really hot. It's not safe for you to touch it. I try and give them an alternative that they can do. So yes, you actually can stand back and watch me. Uh, You can cut up like this, uh, whatever (laughs) mushroom instead. Um, So I try to give them a yes, something that they can do. And then if the questions keep going on and on and on, I can set a boundary around the question as well. So it's not that we can't set boundaries on questions and we just have to answer every why. So I might say something like, I really appreciate how curious you are about this. I'm actually going to give you some time to try and come up with your own answer. And then you can let me know after you've had some time to think about it. So I find that that really helps me in those moments when it's just question after question. And then again, like I said, trying to remember that greater picture of like raising these little thinkers that are going to be willing to ask questions someday. Yeah. What's the best punishment to give a child that's not going to damage them for the rest of their lives? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) Um, Uh, damage for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That's such a hard one. I like to <laughs> tell the people that I'm working with too, is like no one decision is going to screw your kids up for the rest of their lives. Like I think parents, and I know I like struggle with that having our mama village too. Like I always want to say, here's a tip, but like, if you don't use it, it's okay. Like your kids are still going to be okay. <laughs> well, I think my mom has spanked me three times in my life, but I've never forgotten it, you know, and not that it's mm. messed me up, but it's like something I, I definitely remember like, oh, that was a weird punishment. Yeah. Spanking is not something that I recommend um, (laughs) for many reasons, but there's just, there's no research at all that would back that up to be an effective punishment. I really focus on discipline versus punishment. So discipline, the meaning of discipline is to teach and to guide. And so with every response I have to a challenging behavior, I want to think about how am I teaching and guiding my child through this challenging behavior. So sometimes they need to take a break. They need to take a break from the situation. They're too overwhelmed and overstimulated and they can't control themselves. So it might be me taking my one child and removing them from the situation to help them, to help them calm down. That might be a way I discipline. Um, sometimes it's, so let's say my child is like hitting my other child over and over. It's trying to practice outside of the moment. So when you get really frustrated and angry at your baby sister for taking her toy, Uh, what do you think you can do? How do you think you can communicate that to her in a way that's not hitting and it's role-playing outside of the moment? So really when we're thinking about teaching and guiding versus like disciplining or punishing, I find that that really helps. Yeah, I try and stay away from things like spanking or (laughs) threatening to take things away. I had a client once and she was so funny. She came to me in the first session and she's just like, I keep threatening to take away this Mexico trip And she's like, that's my only discipline strategy I have. We're supposed to go to Mexico in February. And I just keep telling my kids that they're not going to go if they don't listen. And obviously they're going to go. So (laughs) threats are not something that are super helpful either. 
How effective is that, though? Let's say the kid's like, she's not going to take away the Mexico trip, but then you actually take it away and you go to Mexico <laughs> and you leave them with some relative. Is that effective in like, oh, mom means business when she says that? Or is that just a bad strategy? Well, I guess you have to define effective. So it might be effective in that the child doesn't engage in that behavior again. Mm -hmm. But I always, because I even hear this with spanking, they'll say like, oh, I spanked my child once and they never did this behavior again. But if we look at behavior as communication, it's like, well, what's going on underneath that behavior? Like maybe they never yelled that name at you again, but they started hitting you or they started kicking their sister or they started doing something else. So yeah, effective, I think is kind of like a loose term. Like it might be, it might seem effective, but long-term it's not really helping our kids find new ways to get their needs met. Mm -hmm. And spanking for husbands, effective or ineffective? For me, it works. <laughs> yeah. It does the Very trick for effective. me. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that I did want to ask her, and I was looking at my notes, it was under the, um, you know, kind of fielding all the questions. And I was reading that it can actually help create a culture of consent and protect your kids from abuse. And mm -hmm. I just want to get into that a little bit more. But how, you know, from your therapist or psychotherapist perspective, how does it help create that culture of consent? Because that is something that I think is so important to parents now. Yeah, for sure. Consent, whenever I talk about it, people like it's, so, it's such an important topic. And again, Shane, like what you were saying, I feel like that's something our parents never talked about either. Like my parents, I make fun of them now, but they never even gave me the sex talk. They just kind of assume like she'll learn it. <laughs> like she'll hear it somewhere. Uh, and now we're like talking about telling our children what the names of their body parts are. So when we let our kids ask us questions and they learn that it's okay to question authority. And I think that's a huge thing when we're talking about abuse is children are often afraid to question authority. So if it's a teacher that's who, who's doing the abusing or a pastor or an uncle or a friend of a family member, if children are, grow up hearing that, you just have to listen and be obedient to authority. And then all of a sudden they have someone in a position of authority who their parents trust telling them that they have to do this, then they're not gonna feel equipped like they can actually say no or that they can say to their parents what's happening. Because so often with um, abusers, they have that power of secrecy of saying, your parents will be hurt, or I'll do something to your parents, or they won't believe you. So when we create that culture at home of our kids being willing to ask questions and us being willing to listen, we're actually setting the stage for them to be less vulnerable to abuse. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jess, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. They are a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the absolute best basics for your littles we always say we wish they made them in adult sizes and can i even say that they I, might i don't i i'd say keep your ear to the ground okay. for that one folks yeah there might be some exciting They're news the best coming clothes. our way. <laughs> they are the best clothes. And, you know, Lucy loves them and we love them because they are soft, they're comfortable, they're timeless, and they can be passed from child to child regardless of the gender. So their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. They're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. 
Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you will get 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and the US. And again, that is miniMiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15. Trust me, you will not want to buy anything else. This stuff is such high quality. Like all of our sponsors, we contacted them and they did not come to us. So trust us when we say this is the best. But speaking of which, we are also supported by my breast friend. My breast friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. For more than 25 years, my breast friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. But we need to let everyone know breast is spelled B-R-E-S-T. That's very important to me because if you Google it, you might not catch that. That is an important thing to note, Shane. And, you know, it truly is the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. You can purchase my breast friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. But now let's get back to our interview with Jess. So when do you start talking about, like, taking those measures. Obviously, you know, in Ontario right now, we are in lockdown. So like Lucy's not in daycare anymore, but she will likely be going to school in about a year. And scary. Yeah, it is so scary. It's emotional. It's scary. It's everything. Every time I think of it, my eyes get watery. But, you know, in thinking about her going off in those situations, starting to take part in sports, when do we start saying things like, nobody's allowed to touch you there like I, I already tell her like I mm-hmm. when I'm changing her or something or she's telling me that you know she has a rash on her vulva I say all right and you know what this is only for Lucy and mommy and daddy when we change her diaper and then I, I try to drive that home I don't I don't know if she gets it I think she seems to get it yeah, yeah. and you know how, how do you it's it's weird when you start bringing in other people. Like it, it makes me uncomfortable. And how how do you go about that as they do start going into school and taking part in sports? Yeah, I think you're doing exactly what you should be doing. I think when they're younger, you label body parts with anatomically correct names. You tell them that only mom or dad or whoever the caregiver is can touch them in that spot. Um, if they say stop or no or they don't want to give a hug, we can respect that and not force affection on them. Uh, we can stand up for them. If, if you do see like a grandparent, let's say trying to force a hug on them, you can actually say, you know what, we don't do that because whatever, uh, Lucy is saying no to the hugs. So we don't, we don't force hugs on, on her. So stuff like that, like what you're doing is exactly, it's setting the stage for her to know that she's the boss of her body. As they get older and into school age, I'm starting to do this with my oldest daughter now, who's uh, just over four and she'll be going to school in September, which is crazy too. (laughs) Wild is teaching her uh, safe people that she can go to. So safe people that she can talk to if she ever feels like she's in a tricky situation. Um, So we've taught her like my husband, myself, my mom, my dad, who we a hundred percent trust. You can always go to any of us if you're feeling worried, if someone tries to touch you in a place that feels uncomfortable, if someone tells you to keep a secret. So we've started to talk a little bit more about secrets that we actually don't keep secrets from anyone in our family. And if someone ever says the word secret, so let us know right away. They're really hard conversations to have. For us, 
uh, in particular, and I know a lot of my followers resonate with this too. We actually have like an unsafe family member who we don't see. And so that even adds like another level of challenge to the situation because just in this last year, we've had to tell her about this unsafe family member because she may have been around. And so like, that's tricky too. Right. And to say like, if you see this person, you need to let us know. And it's hard, but the kids will be okay, even though they have to have the hard conversations and it's better to keep them safe for sure. So I've been playing games with Lucy at like a bedtime. We play various games and sometimes I'll be like, come here, I got to tell you a secret. So I shouldn't be doing that at all. That's like bad, right? Yeah, it's not like the secrets. I do try and stay away from that. I mean, it's just she knows that you're a safe person and that it's between your house. But actually, my husband always did the same thing. He'd always like, oh, it's our little secret. Or, you know, they'd go out and get an ice cream cone and joking that he'd be like, oh, it's our secret. And he stopped doing that in the recent like half a year as well, just because as we're gearing her up to go to school and be around more people, we're trying to stay away from the word secret as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's such an innocuous word, especially when you have like grandparents or whatever, like, oh, let me tell you a secret. And then like whisper something silly in the kid's ear or something. And I know that happens with grandparents now. Yeah. Like I've got dessert later or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that is something I do talk to Lucy about. I, I tell her because sometimes if she'll say like, oh, you know, Bafja told me that we can have cake tomorrow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, yes, but there are no secrets between Lucy and mommy and daddy, right? Because I know my Julie, like my cousin did that with her daughter. There were no secrets and she wasn't allowed to keep secrets from their mom. So I just want to clarify, we avoid that word completely and we make sure that if somebody says to her, it's a secret, she has to tell us right away. Yeah. That's what, that's what I do. Yeah. And then if let's say Papa in our case says like (laughs) the other day we were seeing Papa and grandma and he says to her like, Oh, I have a secret. Like I have this little chocolate for you. And I just see her eyes like bug out. She like looks at me like (laughs) secret. (laughs) So like they do start to catch on. And then once they get around the age of four, they can understand a bit of the nuance a little bit more. And we'll talk about like, you know, kind of funny surprises that are not, they don't hurt anybody. They don't make you feel icky or gross. Mm -hmm. They make everybody happy and eventually everybody can find out and it's fine. We are starting to like be able to differentiate between that a little bit more. So it's not like, you know, no surprises ever, you know, that kind of thing. So they can start to catch on to that nuance. Um, But yeah, it was really funny to see that because her eyes just started like (laughs) bugging out of her head. She's like staring at me. That must have felt like a win though as a parent. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and my dad, my parents actually know that we have this no secret rule. So my dad was like, oh, shoot, I totally forgot. <laughs> um, so you can tell your parents too, like if you see them enough, you know, this is just the kind of language that we use. We don't say that. And then if they do, like my dad said it by accident, then we just kind of whacked it off and it was fine. Now, I'm sure anyone can derive something from coming to you, but what are telltale signs if you're experiencing them that you probably should see a psychotherapist? Mm. Um, in terms of your child or in terms of you as an adult? Um, okay, let's go you as an adult first. Mm. Well, yeah, I think you're kind of saying this, like anybody can come see a therapist. You don't have to be necessarily struggling with your mental health. I'd say if you're just simply not feeling like yourself. Like you're just feeling like 
something's not right. I'm not finding joy in the things that used to make me feel joyful. I'm not really recognizing the way I'm responding to stressful situations. Like I'm starting to be angry or anxious more often. I'm just not liking how I'm reacting to either my kids or my partner. Any of those things could be warning signs and just signs to kind of be like, you know what, I'm going to go talk to a therapist. I'm just going to start this journey of exploring what's going on with myself. And then of course there's like depression. Like if you're feeling suicidal or you're feeling down and you just don't have motivation to get out of bed, or if you're feeling anxious and your thoughts are spinning or you're having thoughts that scare you, those would also be signs too that I would say just if you can, because I know also it's a privilege to be able to afford a therapist. And I think that that sometimes is really challenging as well. But if you can, then trying to see a therapist earlier is always Mm -hmm. better. And is it recommended to dip in and out when you can, or is it like, is something better than nothing? Or should, if you're going to go, should you like go full bore? Oh, it's totally up to you. I have clients who would come every six weeks just as a little check-in just to see uh, how they're doing. And they would just let, you know, if they have a few little struggles, we could work on some coping skills or they just want someone to talk to. I've had clients that I just see almost quarterly, like once every couple months. And then I have my clients that I'd see every single week and whether or not they're in the middle of a crisis, some are, and some, I have a lot of new moms who just needed, especially pre pre pandemic when I was seeing them in person, it was their self-care, their partner or someone else watched the kid. They would come to therapy. I had hot coffee or tea there and it was their time away and it was great. So it totally depends on you, but I think most therapists are flexible and they want to work on a schedule that works for you. And if every week doesn't work, then that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And such a large percentage of new moms do have some kind of mood disorder after having a baby when they're in the postpartum period, you know, whether it's just the baby blues, which I think is so common, whether it's something, you know, like on the most severe end, which is like a psychosis type thing, I guess. But do you see a lot of that? And how can how can a therapist, a psychotherapist help new moms through the, that time? For sure. Yeah. The rates of, uh, I was just posting about this today, but the rates of postpartum anxiety and depression pre-pandemic was one in five of every new moms would struggle with uh, postpartum anxiety, depression, OCD. So one of the postpartum mood or anxiety disorders. And now there's newer research that's just come out saying like triple, uh, like the rates are triple what they were. And so it was 25%. Now they're saying rates are closer to 75% of new moms are struggling, which is just, it's crazy. It's really disheartening and it's, it's really sad. So yes, a therapist can definitely help. I would talk to a therapist as well and ask what kind of training they have, because there is specific training for working with moms in the perinatal period because moms in the perinatal period do have a unique set of struggles that if you're not in that period, like for example, the lack of sleep, the body changes, the hormone changes, all of those things that are unique to that specific period of time. So it's nice to have a therapist who is familiar and understanding. And also even some of the anxious thoughts that can come up, thoughts of harming a baby, stuff like that. Uh, therapists that are trained in perinatal mental health like have an understanding of those thoughts as well. And there's definitely so much hope. There's so much research out there and ways that we can help you, give you coping tools. 
help you set your life up like that nest I was talking about before so that um, you don't have to struggle in that same way. Mm-hmm. Do you think post-pandemic you'll ever go back to in-person again? Or is this just like, hey, this is better doing it this way? Oh, I can't wait to go back to in-person. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I will be back for sure. There's something about, like I said before, uh, the pandemic started. I had an office. I had coffee. I had a couch. Like It was comfy. And it's just like a way moms would always bring their babies in. I had a whole play area for the babies. Like It was something to do to get you out of the house. And I think that that part is really missing right now. And I can't wait to get back to that once this uh, pandemic period is over. And where is your practice? I know you're in Ontario, but I I don't even know how close you are to us. I don't know where you guys are either. Where are you? Hamilton. Hamilton. Oh my word. We're so close. That's funny. I'm in Niagara. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) So yeah, we just moved to Niagara. uh, Actually during the pandemic, I was in Guelph before we were in Guelph for over 10 years and our family lives in Niagara. And so during the pandemic, we moved closer to being near my parents and it's been really great and helpful, but yeah, we're very close to each other. That's, That's funny. awesome. Yeah. So let's say someone in India is listening to this two years from today, pandemic's over, they catch this podcast. Would you be willing to zoom with them or after pandemics is it just, no, no, you have to be in the Niagara area. I no, I'll still definitely be doing virtual work, but unfortunately being a registered psychotherapist here in Ontario, you can only work with people in Ontario. Right. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's just part of the college here. And that's part of why I have our mama village through the courses because through the courses, you can take them anywhere across the world, but my actual in-person like practice will have to stay in Ontario. Well, whether you're in India or Turks and Caicos in Qatar, we have big listenership in Qatar for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, That's so cool. But if they are listening, where can anybody who is not from Ontario or those in Ontario find you online and, you know, find your resources? For sure. They can find me at OurMamaVillage.com or on Instagram or Facebook at OurMamaVillage. And that's M-A-M-A because I know sometimes people don't know about spelling because there's different ways to spell it. Um, But yeah, I'm all over all of those platforms. You can find me there. Amazing. Jess, thank you so much for sitting down with us again. And it feels uh, like the first time, though, because seeing you like from a phone, it's a way different vibe than seeing you. And I'm sure in person, it would be even better. Yeah. So maybe the next one, we'll do an in-person interview. Especially since we're so close. (laughs) We'll do it in your office with the hot coffee. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Once, Once I'm back into an office. Yeah, it's super fun to actually see you guys. And I feel like the last time was so short. It was like yeah. maybe just a couple minute phone it call. Was so oh, wow. quick. Yeah. Yes. It was. It was Yeah, quick, that was before I think back then we were doing like, like five, calls, five a calls an episode. And now we've Yeah, realized you were just doing like yeah. call in episodes, mm-hmm. right? It was crazy. It was really stressful. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. No, this is great. It's so nice to have a longer conversation. I like Absolutely. it. Big time. But Jess, thank you so much. Everybody go check out Jess's page. Again, the most shareable graphics ever. And truly, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Have a great week. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. That was Jess. The secret's out. Secrets aren't good. Don't tell secrets. Don't have secrets to get out. But it makes so much sense. And I really just loved that conversation because it kind of helped. What is like cement? What do you say? Like it it made me feel good about what I already knew. It helped confirm what you already knew. Yeah. And what I felt to be the right thing to do. So you know, the next step I think here is we just got to let everybody know to talk to Lucy like the grandparents. Uh, no more secret talk. I've stopped doing it. 
Yeah. Do you ever feel bad when we have to tell a grandparent, like, you can't use this word around our child and we're going to call you out if you do? No, I felt bad once because your dad once was like, hey, give me a kiss, Lucy. And you were like, you have to ask for consent. (laughs) And you got really serious. And it was like he was a predator all of a sudden. And then he's like, okay. And then we he noticed that sometimes we'd be like, give me a hug, Lucy. And he'd be like, well, you didn't ask for <laughs> consent. You just ordered her to. So we stopped doing that around John and Bobsha. And, yeah. yeah. When she's really close and you know she's just being cheeky. But if she really doesn't want to give somebody a hug, obviously we don't make her. But uh, yeah, that was like first week. I was still trying to figure out how to implement those rules. So I do get nervous when it comes to these things. Yep. But, you know, we're living, we're learning, and uh, (laughs) we're using Hello Bello. But now let's get to our next interview with Sherry Torkis. Now, if you are looking to know how to reintegrate into society, you might want to give this one a listen. I am totally clueless. Every week I'm learning new stuff and hearing misinformation, and I'm scared to get back out there in society. I mean, I've lived in this bubble for so long. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be like What's I'm, once I'm out there? Am I going to hug anyone ever again? Am I going to shake a hand? Am I going to be carrying around Clorox wipes? The answer is yes, I am definitely going to be doing that. But before we get to this interview, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Of course, my favorite bras that exist and the best nursing bras that I've ever heard anybody talking about. Hey, my favorite bras too, Alex. Why do I keep getting left out of these conversations? (laughs) You did find them for me a couple years ago when I was pregnant with Lucy. It's a long story. I really don't want to get into it. Fine. Okay. So I'm at a bra (laughs) store and Alex asked me to buy her maternity bra. I don't know anything. By sheer luck, I picked out a Bravado Designs bra, gave it to her. Now she's obsessed with it. It's her good luck charm. I'd say it is a good luck charm, but I kept wearing it even after I was finished nursing Lucy and lucky for everybody, you know, if you're a nursing mom, you have access to awesome nursing bras, but if you're not a nursing mother, they now have an everyday collection and these bras do not have clips. They're just for anybody with boobs and they truly are so comfortable, like buttery soft, really. And you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to this awesome everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. So again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. But we are also supported by Seedlip. The world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking. And we never have to think about what we're going to drink on this podcast because it's all we drink. And we look so forward to it. And whether it's for the night, the month, or forever, as a non-drinker, it doesn't feel good when your only option is, you know, water or soda or sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life or your podcast night. So Shay and I have a ton of fun looking through the Seedlip cocktail book and making unique recipes that we typically wouldn't put the time into making. But you can also find recipes on their Instagram account, which is at Seedlip underscore N-A. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, so Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with a splash of tonic. 
And I want to make it clear that this isn't just for people who don't drink alcohol. I do drink alcohol, but I still like to take a break and indulge in a Cidla beverage from time to time. Actually, quite a lot of the time. Oh, absolutely. It, it gives you a great feeling, allows you to kick back without any of the nasty stuff like hangovers and, you know, feeling crappy the next day. Yeah. If you haven't tried it yet, you gotta. So head over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off of your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and the U.S. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. But now let's get to our interview with Sherry Torkis. Sherry, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. So I wanted to start off with you are a holistic pharmacist, correct? That's right. I've never heard that term before. If you could tell us what that means, because I think of holistic pharmacy and they seem like opposing words, but I guess they're not. Yeah, I think a lot of people see them as opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah. You think pharmacy, conventional medicine, drugs and holistic, more naturopathic. But the way that I practice has always been to incorporate the two. And when you think of it, the drugs that we have today, most of them originated from plants. And hundreds of years ago, plants were our medicine. And we were very much reliant on natural modes of healing, whether it was through energy healing and medicine men and elders in, in the native community that, that were involved with the healing. So there is a lot of, I think, strong roots in nature that can provide some opportunities for us to heal some of the modern day ailments. And so the way that I've always practiced is to incorporate both using scientifically based natural products, because now we have the benefit of science to study things. So using um, science-based natural products, vitamins, herbs, nutraceuticals, along with conventional medicine, because sometimes we need drug therapy, right? Or surgery or other interventions. So that's been the way I've always practiced is integrating the two. And when you have, because I imagine you have people then that are asking you questions from both sides of the spectrum, right? Like from a side where they want to be more naturopathic and they want to take a more holistic approach that way. And then again, people who are more interested in conventional medicines. So with everything that's going on, and we're going to talk about disinfecting and what that means as we kind of reintegrate into the real world. But what do they ask you when it comes to the vaccine then? Because we're we're waiting for ours. We're not eligible yet. But are are people coming to you with any concerns in regards to that? And and how do you approach that? Yeah, I think there are, you know, people are legitimately concerned <laughs> because if this illness has not been around that long. The vaccines it seems like they were rushed out. However, some of the technology, for example, with the Pfizer Moderna vaccine, the messenger RNA technology, that's been around for decades. Now we're putting it to use. And there's millions of people that have taken these vaccines and very low risk. So I think with anything, whether we're talking about a drug, vaccine, natural product, you have to look at the benefits versus the risks, right? And with what's happening with COVID, the fact that people our age, 30s, 40s, 50s are in the hospital dying or becoming COVID long haulers where they're having severe lung disease that is lasting forever, changes in their smell and taste, you know, ongoing gastrointestinal issues, uh, blood clotting issues. So, you know, COVID is a really serious illness. And I think as a society, if we're looking for our way out of this pandemic, it is to get herd immunity. And how do we achieve that? Through people acquiring the disease, unfortunately, and through vaccination to give us some immunity. So 
you know, I understand people's concerns, but I always say, and I don't want to tell anybody what to do. They have to make their own decision with their doctor, but you need to look at the benefits versus the risks. And it's not just the risks to ourselves individually, but our elderly family members, people that are immunocompromised. Like I would feel horrible if, if I had the illness, didn't even know it, and then passed it on to say my parents or elderly neighbors. So it's one of these things. I feel, in my opinion, the risks of the vaccine, the side effects are very low compared to the benefits. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's the, how I make my decision. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it seems like almost just the idea that the vaccines out there has caused people to preemptively already act like COVID's been beaten. At least that's the way I'm seeing it from my friends and everything. And my wife, who you're talking to right now, is immunocompromised. She has lupus. And my mom has lung cancer. So it's like I'm very wary of joining society again. What what do you think is the safest way to go about that in these initial phases when people are just getting the vaccine and we're still un- uncertain of the future of this? Yeah, so with immunocompromised individuals like yourself there, we do have to be careful. I have celiac disease. That's an autoimmune disease. A lot of people have rheumatoid arthritis and other diseases. So we have to be extra vigilant. And I think the reality is that even if we get herd immunity, we may still have to, for a period of time, be cautious when we're out in terms of mask wearing, disinfecting frequently, social distancing, because we're, we're still not, we don't have enough information after you're vaccinated. You know, could you be carrying the virus in your nasal membranes, your mouth and pass it on to others? I mean, we believe that the, vi- the vaccine reduces transmission. We know it reduces infection, reduces severe infection, reduces death. But there's still things we're learning. And it's unfortunate some people are, you know, they're so, you know, they've had it with the pandemic and they, you know, I see people protesting, no more lockdown, no more this, no more that, no masks, no vaccine. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, sometimes we have to work collectively as a member of society and do what's best for the majority and be open-minded to the fact that, you know, there is no pandemic. There is no ulterior <laughs> motives here. Um, yes, the drug companies make money on the vaccine, but they spent millions researching it, right? And so if there's no incentive for companies to make any profit, then they wouldn't do it. So yeah, those are some of my thoughts. But we have to be extra careful going out. And um, I have a 11 year old boy. And so I know, you know, when it comes to hand hygiene, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> for those that have little ones at home, reinforcing the importance of proper hand washing, basic things, but yet, you know, kids, especially, they're not good about washing their hands, they're rubbing their eyes, they're rubbing their nose. Yeah. So you you wash your hands, but then you touch a, a doorknob. So like, how long does that wash last? How long do germs stay on your hand if you touch a doorknob? Like, how how, yeah. how effective is even hand washing? I'm always wondering. Yeah, so hand washing is effective for sure in removing not just dirt, but viruses, germs, bacteria. So soap and water is always the best way to wash your hands. If that's not available, using a hand sanitizer, alcohol-based hand sanitizer. But yeah, if you wash your, your hands and then you are going out grocery shopping, now they're, they're sanitizing the carts, but there's varying levels of cleaning detail, right? Some some of the teenagers that are cleaning the shopping carts, they've been standing out there all day. Maybe they're they're you know, not doing the most thorough job. So if you want peace of mind, you know, carry your own wipes. Like 
I, I carry wipes in my purse. I have them in my car. You know, the Clorox makes those on the go wipes. They're, they're handy because they're small packages. They fit anywhere and it gives you peace of mind. And then you wash your hands when you get home after you've handled the wipes and the shopping carts and everything else. But they're good because if you have disinfecting wipes, you can clean handles. You can clean, like say you're in a store and you have to use the restroom. A lot of places have entries. They don't have the doors anymore that you have to touch the knobs, but some do. Mm -hmm. And then the faucets, the faucets in the bathroom, the toilet handle to flush the toilet. Those are like big time germ infested places. So, you know, using disinfecting wipes for those are, are really good. But keep in mind that when you're disinfecting uh, objects, it's different than what you're doing to clean your hands. So the wipes that I mentioned, those Clorox wipes, they're great to clean surfaces and objects, but they're not intended to be used on your hands. So when it comes to hands, soap and water or alcohol-based hand sanitizer, or you can go into a natural product store, there's different hand sanitizers that have natural things like thyme and eucalyptus or peppermint, things like that. They're, they're also effective and in the right amounts, they can be helpful. And they, so I, I just wanted to clarify that. So they are effective, those natural ones. And what do you mean the right amounts? Well, for example, some natural essential oils can actually be um, toxic in high amounts. They can be harsh and irritating to the skin. So it really varies, whatever, you know, depending on the essential oil we're talking about, tea tree oil, for example, a couple of drops might, might do the trick but you don't want to use it full strength because you can end up with a burn on your skin. Lavender, cinnamon. Mint? Because I, yeah. I once put peppermint essential oil in my bath water, got in the bath, and then I was- Burns. It was like that cold burn and I was like, I couldn't yeah. get a chill out off yeah. my skin for hours. It was hor like yeah. horrific. Yes. <laughs> what are some disinfecting myths? Yeah, so I think um, when it comes to some of the myths, People often don't know what's the difference between, say, cleaning and disinfecting, right? So cleaning is removing dirt, dirt like not, not, it does help remove germs, but it's mostly dirt. So muddy hands, things like that, cleaning surfaces, but disinfecting, we're talking about products that actually help to kill the viruses, the bacteria and fungi. So certain products will have right on their packaging that, this kills, say, 99.9% .9 of viruses, bacteria, and germs. So that's that's one of the big myths between cleaning versus um, disinfecting. I think that the way that we clean and disinfect objects also needs to be thought of. One of the surveys that was done recently, the Leger survey, found that over, I think, like 60% of Canadians are concerned with the level of disinfecting that's that's happening mm -hmm. and people think that you know you disinfect something it's going to stay that way it doesn't you know if if you're disinfecting say a handle or something and somebody has covid and they sneeze or they cough and they touch that object that virus can survive there for a period of time so that's why you almost need to disinfect continuously mm -hmm. so it's not something where if you say you disinfect one time it's good for the day it doesn't work that way. You need to frequently disinfect things. Mm -hmm. Now, when the pandemic began, we were like most uh, cleaning our groceries. Like, like we, so we, like all. It would take us like two hours. We did our groceries delivery, <laughs> and then we, we, you know, we'd be getting wipes, and we'd be wiping down the wipes. Like, how much is too much? Is there too much? Is it like better safe than sorry? Like, we, we've stopped doing that now. By the way, so. I'm, 
I think I did the same initially <laughs> because we were told that, you know, you have to be careful. And then they found out that, you know, yes, viruses like COVID will survive, but it's on hard objects, like hard metal objects. So for example, they're not a virus, COVID and other viruses, they don't survive long on papers mm -hmm. and plastics and things like mm -hmm. that. It's more of the hard metal objects that they will survive longer. So do you need to disinfect your groceries? Right now they're saying, no, you don't need to disinfect your groceries. If it makes you feel better to wipe them down, go ahead. But I mean, we wash our produce anyways, mm -hmm. but yeah, it doesn't hurt to wipe down, but I don't think that that is a, um, certainly uh, research has not found those to be a common modes of transmission. It's a respiratory virus, it's spread by droplets. So it's primarily being in close contact with somebody sharing their airspace. And especially, mm -hmm. it's not just talking, but if your environments where people are yelling and shouting or singing or exercising because you're breathing a lot more, then that can spread the viruses mm -hmm. easier. So when we're just along those lines, if we're going for a run or something outside, right, should we be or if we see somebody running, should we like take some extra steps away from them because they are panting harder? Like when you see somebody working that's, out? Or... That's hard to measure. Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, transmission outdoors is lower than it is indoors because if you're indoors, that air is just kind of in, in a small room. But if you're running outdoors, say you're running by and you're someone else is running by, chances are you're not going to run within a few feet of that person, mm -hmm. right? So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Okay. And what are your thoughts on handshakes, hugs, things like that? Like even like let's COVID aside, like just for getting sick in general, is that a bad practice? And do you think that that's going to go the way of the dinosaur yeah. going forward? It's hard. I, you know, I come from a family, Hungarian background, and we hug and kiss everybody. And, and even when we're meeting somebody for the first time, mm -hmm. but I think we've all been, you know, started to change our practices and, you know, we're waving, we stay at a distance, we wave, you know, people are doing the elbow bumps. I mean, yes, it's true. Um, handshakes and hugs and kisses, you're getting in that person's personal space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, aside from COVID, cold and flu. Now, we had a record low incidence of influenza this season because we were social distancing and we were masking. So, you know, it's, it's, you've got to, I guess, find the right thing for your family if everyone's been vaccinated mm -hmm. and healthy and not been around anybody in contact yes have your family hugs and kisses but otherwise i think you have to be careful but will you be pulling handshakes like outside of family members going forward do you think a handshake is something we're going to keep going with yeah you know what it's hard to say whether mm -hmm. the handshake will come back or whether it's going to be like the fist pump <laughs> yeah. and the elbow i prefer the the, the bow. bow i yeah. prefer the bow yeah. to the elbow thing i can't get I can't get on with the elbow thing. I, I don't it's like weird. the elbow thing either. It looks yeah, weird. Bow. It feels awkward. This is very nice. This right? is like what they do in, in Thailand, Saudika. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, and there's I think there's beauty to that. And it that yeah. actually comes more naturally to me, even though I've never done it than this thing. Uh, aside from the hugs and kisses, because I'm like you. I do absolutely love that. Now, I was curious about, you know, when we do reintegrate, and I know people are doing that across Canada and the U.S. at different rates right now. But what are the hotspots that people should be concerned about and really be ensuring that they're kind of disinfecting on their own? And then how do they do that properly? Because again, a lot of us might be like that 16-year-old kid at the grocery store not realizing that we're not doing a good job. 
Yeah, I think that the hot spots, the things you really have to be careful with are um, commonly touched objects when you're out and about. So if you are taking public transportation, it's the railings. Like if you can avoid touching the railings, keypads, like if you're buying tickets Mm -hmm. for public transportation, or if you're going to the bank machine, it doesn't hurt to have your own wipes with you. Give that pad a wipe. Yes, they are disinfecting them more frequently, but I know at the bank I went to, they weren't disinfecting the keypad after every single person. I mean, in the colder times, you can wear gloves, right? And gloves to hold on to things, gloves to touch the shopping cart, gloves to touch the keypad. But when the weather's nicer, we're not going to be doing that. So it best practices would be really to disinfect everything before you touch it. Mm-hmm. And like gas stations, same thing there. Well, I always have, I have gloves in my car for, even in the summertime, I hate touching the gas station pumps. (laughs) Like, that's a girl thing. My husband, he doesn't care. He he used to work at a gas station when he was a teenager. So for him, it's not a big deal. But for me, it's the most disgusting thing to touch. It's dirty and it smells. And and I I don't Mm. know, maybe they're cleaned better now, but I don't think (laughs) prior to COVID, they don't look like they ever got cleaned. So I have gas gloves in my car that I put on. That's smart. I might need to get on that. And But how do we know that something is disinfected? Like, does it have to be wet looking? Does it have to be like, how much do you have to go over it? Yeah, you don't really know when somebody else is doing it. But if you're doing it, you need to cover the whole surface area. It can't just be like a quick little wipe, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you leave any areas untouched or uncleaned, then, you know, it's not properly disinfected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Sherry, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Clorox on-the-go disinfecting wipes. More than ever, we're so aware of how easy it is to pick up the germs around us. And these wipes are so important to me right now, I can't even stress that enough. Absolutely, and not only that, but they are convenient and perfect for cleaning and disinfecting multi-surfaces when you're out and about. You can use this product on hard, non-porous surfaces such as, Shane, hit me. Cell phones, door handles, light switches, laptops, recycling bins, microwave exteriors, fridge exteriors, windows, stovetop exteriors, bedside furniture, weights and gym equipment, desks, countertops, car interiors, and, of course, children's toys. (laughs) Take a breath. Good job. But you can use them basically anywhere. And these wipes are bleach free and kill 99.99% of bacteria and viruses. I've never heard of anyone getting a full 100%. So I would say this is the best you can get. Oh, top of the game. They're sold in a conveniently sized pouch that is so perfect to keep in cars, purses, at work, and even when you travel. You can purchase the Clorox on-the-go disinfecting wipes at your local Walmart, grocery store, or on Amazon. And now back to our interview with Sherry. What about foods like is there anything we can eat to boost our immune system I, i was hearing a lot of this at the beginning of the pandemic that conversation doesn't seem to be as prevalent but if there is, do you, what can I be eating to increase my odds? Yeah, there, there's definitely things that I recommend for immune system support. Vitamin D would be top of mind in supplement form. Now, there are foods that contain some vitamin D, like egg yolks and liver and things like that. But it's real and mushrooms. If you put them in the sunlight, you know they can you know make a little bit of vitamin D. But I would say vitamin D is really important because most people in North America are not getting optimal amounts. And there's been several studies that have found people that had worse outcomes with COVID had lower levels of vitamin D. And it's one of those vitamins that has a very safe uh, usage, like Mm -hmm. a very good safety profile. So I would say vitamin D rich foods and supplements, vitamin C also very important for the immune system. 
when we think vitamin C, it's, um, you know, the citrus, like the oranges and the grapefruits, lemons, but also berries, like strawberries, great source of vitamin C, all the berries in general, uh, bell peppers, they also provide a good source of vitamin C. And then vegetables, things like spinach and broccoli have a little bit of vitamin C. Um, we take vitamin C and D in supplement form in our house. We also take probiotics. And I would say probiotics would be another good choice to um, provide your, your system with beneficial bacteria that helps to keep out pathogens. And probiotics also have some direct immune effects too. So a good probiotic supplement and again, the food form to get some beneficial bacteria would be your yogurt, uh, kefir, uh, kimchi, kombucha, things like that. Other foods, I mean, your best choice is always to eat raw, fresh foods and stay away from the packaged, processed and prepared because when we're eating real food, shopping in the produce department, that's where we're, we're going to get the most vitamins, minerals, and nutrients to support our body. And our immune system needs things like the vitamin C and D, but also zinc and selenium. So uh, you can, you know, get whole grains and nuts and seeds. They also provide some of those trace minerals too. What, what's better to get it just from the food or get it from a supplement or does it not matter? Well, food's always your best bet okay. for nutrients because when you eat a food in its natural form, so say with vitamin C, if you're eating the orange, not only are you getting vitamin C, but you're getting fiber and other nutrients, but it's hard to get enough vitamin C just through diet alone. You'd have to be having like multi-servings of vitamin C rich foods. So what I always tell people is food should be your main source of nutrition and vitamins and then complement what you're getting with a supplement. So you take a multi or you take a little extra vitamin C or vitamin D. That's a good way to complement what you're getting mm -hmm. through your diet. Mm -hmm. Kind of a weird question here, and I'm not sure if you have the answer, but my mom's going through chemotherapy right now. Can that trump, like can that kill COVID or another uh, flu virus because it's so severe? Uh, the chemotherapy, no, not, mm. I don't think it has any effect like that. It, you know, unfortunately, when people are going through chemotherapy, they become more vulnerable because their immune system, their white blood cell counts are often lowered. So you have to be extra careful with that. And usually people that are undergoing chemotherapy are on priority mm -hmm. to get vaccinations for that reason, because mm -hmm. they are more vulnerable. And now, you know, you mentioned, I know there's been and I think this is a part of the vaccine hesitancy that you see in a lot of people. They say, oh, well, if it's just about protecting me, I don't care about getting protected because I'll be fine. And they said it doesn't really make a difference in protecting other people. But earlier on, you said that it does lower the instance in, in which you can pass it on. So in regards to his mom, uh, should her caregivers be getting vaccines? Like, will it help her if they are vaccinated? Yeah. And, you know, typically they are recommending that the person who's most intimately involved in the care of somebody who's immunocompromised or elderly or in nursing home situations that they are vaccinated as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's tough because my stepdad, he's, he's convinced that he's going to get a blood clot from the one, what's the one AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca. So he's holding out and it's like, it's, it's so tough to talk to these. Well, uh, how old is he? He is 55. So he's 10 years younger oh, than my so mom. He's, 
Yeah, so he's close though to being eligible, depending on where you live. I mean, he's eligible. Doing... It's forty up now where we live. Well, forty and up for AstraZeneca, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, for the Pfizer vaccine, most places it's sixty and up. So very soon he'd be eligible. But here's what I would say, and I had a conversation with a doctor about the blood clot thing. It is true that the AstraZeneca vaccine does carry a risk of blood clots. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, they think it might be around one in a hundred thousand. But the risk of getting blood clots with COVID is apparently even higher than that. With this doctor and I, we were talking about, we we're kind of going through some of the things people are, are asking us about. And she said, what I'm telling my patients is your risk of getting co- getting blood clots from COVID is a lot greater than getting blood clots from the vaccine. And then the other thing to consider is I understand the AstraZeneca vaccine does have um, showing to have greater coverage against some of these variant strains. So again, it's a benefit versus a risk. Does he have autoimmune disease? No, he he doesn't. Not, not that we know of. Yeah. And see, that's the other thing. People with um, autoimmune disease, they may be at greater risk of having the, these immune-mediated blood clots. But if he doesn't, then I would say he needs to get uh, have a serious conversation with his yeah. doctor and maybe get that vaccine. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's what we're hoping. And in regards to getting vitamins, you know, you mentioned your whole family, you guys take vitamin C, D, and probiotics. So our baby, we have a nine-month-old baby, almost 10 months, and a three-year-old. The baby takes vitamin D. We take vitamin D. We might be out right now, but should we be giving our three-year-old a multi? Well, I do give, I I did give my son a multi from his youngest stages and and he ate really healthy, mostly a a vegetarian organic diet. I, I think of a vitamin, like a multivitamin as a little bit of a health insurance, just to make sure your body's getting all the essential nutrients. And for kids that are picky eaters, I think it becomes even more important. Some kids are, are really great eaters when they're like two and they're introducing food, and they're excited. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they decide, well, I can say yes or no, I can, you know, push that away and I can protest and then they don't want to eat certain things. So, you know, I do think of a multivitamin or a minimum though, vitamin D and vitamin C right now. Yes. Yeah. We're going through very much a buttered pasta and chicken fingers phase or buttered bread and like hating everything else. Our nine month old is a more adventurous eater right now than our three-year-old. So that's a bit of a headache, but definitely need to get on that. Can even sneak in some um, things like, will your three-year-old have a smoothie? Yes. Yes. Or shake. Absolutely. Because you can put like avocado and berries and things like that. Yeah, I used to get clever at disguising and hiding things. But thankfully, my son was, he was a really good eater until he went to school and he saw what other kids ate. And then he's like, why do I come to school with like chickpeas and avocado slices and, and <laughs> you know, this, that, and the other, all these vegetables and fruit. My friends are getting cookies and drink boxes and chips. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Once you go to that snack food, it's hard to go back to the healthy side of things See, for I'm, sure. I'm nervous for her to learn about juice because she's never had juice or chocolate milk. It's milk and water and that's it. So I'm so nervous for the school days when she learns that other kids drink juice boxes because I I don't want to go down that road. It's just another thing in the fridge and it's just cluttered. And I'll tell you, it's true. Once once they taste juice, I mean, who doesn't like the taste of juice? Yeah. Yeah. So I think my son was maybe five, maybe four or five before he tasted juice. And it wasn't even at our house. He had it at, at my mom's and yeah, the juice I'm there with you. And the longer you can hold off that, the better, 
because once they taste juice, there's no going back. And the same with pop. We never gave my son pop and he thought pop, like I would get the um, sparkling waters that have the essences, the natural fruit essence, like no aspartame, no sugar, but just sparkling water with a little fruit essence. He thought that was pop until somebody informed him otherwise. Oh, no. <laughs> as long as you can keep them away from that, then once once they start, it's hard, right? Yeah. Oh, big time. My last question is just a prediction. And I know you're not an expert in predicting when everything's going to go back to normal. But if you were to say, well, when do you think that's going to happen? I think that in the fall, we're going to be in a better position, but it won't be normal. I foresee it's going to be, sadly, I hate to even say this, but it's probably going to be a good year before we are back to more of a normal, what we knew to be normal lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, everybody do what they can. Those listening, disinfect when you go out, wash your hands. Wear a mask. Sherry didn't want to tell people. You don't tell people what they will do, but I will tell people what to do. Get vaccinated if you are eligible. And yeah, I want to get back to normal. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm yeah, so tired. I know. I think we get back to normal sooner if we do those things. All of those things you just mentioned, if we all do them when we think of what's best for everybody, mm-hmm. listen to the science, listen to the medical experts, and I think that will help us get back to normal sooner. Mm-hmm. Well, Sherry, thank you so, so much for joining us today, for enlightening us, helping us you know, clarify a few things. And we wish you all the best. Wait, wait. Oh. We, we, for people who want to contact Sherry or get... Oh, my goodness. See, I yeah. need another coffee even. <laughs> Sherry, if people want to contact you, if they want to see what you're doing, get more information from you, where can they do that? Yeah, you can check out my website. It's sherrytorkus.com. So it's S-H-E-R-R-Y-T-O-R-K-O-S. You go to sherrytorkus.com. I have a blog page, so you can check that out. You can look at my books and some of my interviews and, you know, check things out. What about Instagram and TikTok? Are you on those things? Uh, You know, not so much on Instagram. I am a bit. I have a Facebook page. It's holistic.sherry. So at holistic.sherry, you can check that out. And there's links on my website as well. I need to get into the Instagram more. (laughs) (laughs) Too much social media for me, though. I'm like, that's tough. Well, Sherry, Sherry could get verified right away because she's got books out. You're a public figure, so you'd be able to get one of those fancy blue check marks by your name, which is very helpful. Yeah. But anyhow, Sherry, again, thank you so much for all your help today, and we wish you the best. Thanks for having me. It's nice chatting with you. Have a good afternoon. Bye. 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 See, I loved that interview just for you know. I have so many questions about just how to stay safe. And how to make abstinence. Sure that's, <laughs> that's, I guess, what we're doing right now in regards to life. Yeah. We're abstaining from everything. But when we get back into life and we are not abstaining anymore, just, you know, I guess disinfecting and hand washing and avoiding gross things in public areas are like the condom of COVID. The condom? Yeah. If we're using the sex analogy. Sherry. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was just saying abstinence. I wasn't saying, that's not an analogy. Abstinence applies to other things. No, but I really enjoyed that conversation. And uh, big thanks to Sherry for kind of, you know, taking the time and explaining it to us. Well, speaking of enjoying ourselves, this segment is where Alex takes listener questions. I sit back, I add my two cents, and pretty much just enjoy the segment. It's, so, it's very uh, low maintenance for me to do this segment. The questions this week were actually, they were all pretty personal questions uh, in the sense that it was opinions and funny, thoughtful questions. So I have a bone to pick, though, I think, here. What? Did Miss Blonde, the real, is her name? No, she showed up. The real Miss Blondie showed up. Okay, I thought she didn't. And I was like, does she 
find another podcast in Australia because I don't like that. So The Real Miss Blondie is our number one question asker and we so love her for it. But there's somebody that's coming up quick on her tail. Really? Love Leon. Love Leon. Okay. I like this. I know. Anyhow, first question. What is one personal and one team goal that you have for the week? So I'll start because I had some time to think about this. My personal goal, we kind of actually already hit on the pod and made a plan for it, but that was to get more writing done for my book. So, you know, if you want to get a goal accomplished, you have to set up a strategy to make sure that you're making the time, making time to get it accomplished. So that is done and hopefully on the way to success. The team goal that I have for this week, I want all four of us, it's like me, you, Betty and Lucy, to get outside together every day, even if it's only for a walk around the block for a few minutes together because, you know, you're working and things like that. But all of us every single day. I've started walking with the girls in the mornings now that Mm -hmm. the weather's nicer, but I don't know if I can get all four of us out there walking because it's going to impede on my other goals. And my other goals involve getting a lot of work done for this podcast, my other job, my other podcast. And it can become overwhelming if I start doing things that aren't exactly necessary. So if I I go for a walk in the Mm -hmm. morning with the girls that's great but then if i go for a walk with everyone it seems like an extra walk that isn't exactly necessary and then another task gets thrown to the wayside all right all right so then can i update my team goal to make sure we can do okay you and i just got 350 back and forth like we volleyed 350 times in our favorite sports racket paddle ball game I want to get 400 this week. Okay, yeah, I think we can get 400. We play, we're obsessed with this new sports racket paddle ball game. And uh, yeah, it's getting quite competitive and interesting and scary because we play on a street that cars <laughs> go on. Like it's, it's like the whole like car, but we don't today, stop. Today, a woman saw me picking up the birdie and started gunning it at me. She wanted to kill me. She was playing music very loudly, blaring it out of her car. She was in her 40s, and I couldn't get her license plate, but she actually wanted to hit me and kill me. So she she was going slow when she took the corner to turn on our street, and then when you were in the middle of the road picking up the birdie, she actually floored it and started going quickly towards you went by us so fast with this country music blaring it didn't look at us and did you notice the back of her car was like taped together in one spot so it's gonna be it's gonna be very recognizable because she had like silver tape on the back of it yeah well it made me very uncomfortable she was incredibly mean okay team goals that's it do i answer this yeah i need a personal goal and a team goal from you personal goal reading every day like we talked about off the top i need to read 60 pages of this book a day or i'm going to be humiliated in my book club Okay, and team goal. Team goal. I say, let's try a week of no arguments and being kind to each other. That's funny because I wrote that down initially before I put the getting outside every day and then before I updated it to getting 400. Let's try it. So a week of the way I had it written was uh, no spats. No spats. I like that. All right, so next question. What stage of the pandemic do you think that we're in? So I'm hoping it's like, the death rattle last. You are not. You love the pandemic. No, Shane. I, I would like to go to that movie theater that I rented out with you. Oh, I know. But you. I think you would be perfectly happy in a way. In I'm a, adaptable. What do you mean you're adaptable? Well, I can adapt to situations. But I think you're scared secretly to, in a way, to leave the pandemic life. 
in a way because you're working from home, I'm working from home, and that is so difficult in a lot of ways, but it's great because then I have you here to help out and things like that and to be with the girls, which you are doing five times more than you used to when you when you had to commute. What's to five times zero? <laughs> zero. I know that, Alex. I'm making a <laughs> joke at I used to do nothing. No, but it's it's so nice to be able to see you with the girls every day, like in the morning, at bedtime, everything. Anyhow, I do think that we're in hopefully, you know, the last death rattle. It's like the last snake attack before it totally dies because we are going through an awful wave right now. And if you are not living in Ontario, I just kind of want to paint a picture for you. So today alone, we had today alone 4,094 new cases and we have record highs for people on ventilators and people in the ICU. So it is very dire. However, I hope that now with the vaccines coming out and they just announced that the National Advisory Committee is recommending that people over, sorry, people 30 and over can now start getting AstraZeneca. So we hope that they'll implement that soon. And, you know, ideally, I don't know, I I think that they'll lift lockdowns for a lot of things, obviously not totally by the end of the summer. What do you think? Well, lockdowns will be lifted in six weeks from now, right? Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are going to be like. Look at what happened last year. Yeah, who knows? I have no idea. Like, I remember I made a prediction like a a year and three months ago, like at the very beginning of the pandemic, I made a prediction that it was going to last nine months. Mm -hmm. And people laughed at me and thought it was ridiculous and like such an extremist. But now that like I totally underestimated it. Nine months is like a dream. I know. Like our daughter's almost nine months old, and she, she's over. She's almost ten months old. Really? Yeah, oh my goodness! Babe. She's yeah. gonna be ten months in May. That's nuts. And at the beginning of this, she wasn't even born. No. She was like the thought of like it seemed like Betty was gonna be born so far away when this pandemic first struck. So any prediction, I don't think is reliable. So, I, so I refuse hard. to make one. Yeah, I'm taking a stance. <laughs> Who asked this question? I'm not sure. Well, no, you're not getting an answer. All right, so the next question, hopefully you can provide an answer to. What is your favorite thing about each other's personalities? So Shane's, his go-getterness. I can't think of a better word for that right now. That's your favorite thing? It's something I admire. It's not maybe not my favorite thing, but it's something that I admire about you so, so much. And I think I've been learning a lot and hopefully like sucking from you. It's a family podcast. Getting a little bit more of that in my personality. You know what I mean? Because I'm not a go-getter. People that listen to this, you guys know, I like to go with the flow. I like to keep it real chill. But I really admire how hard you work to make things happen. And I mean, just we were talking about you not having your high school diploma and then going to college, not finishing college. You're in an awesome job. You get to do what you love to do and in so many avenues with different podcasts with short films that you've done with your everyday job and it's it's so admirable what you do and I often use you as an example when I'm talking to students because it's like look you know they'll complain they'll be freaked out that academics isn't their thing and I said if it's not your thing then make sure your other thing is that you're going to work hard and you're going to hustle and you're going to do what you can to get I'm to the next level. I'm married to a total idiot and he still made it. Look at his grades. <laughs> but <laughs> He has zero IQ. No, but I, I really do admire that so much about you because you really worked hard to set yourself up and to do what you wanted to do in life, which a lot of people don't 
do. They just go through the motions and they'll even just go through the motions of academics and you really set yourself apart from so many people because of that. Well, I think a lot of people have other options. So they have so many options because a lot of people are well-rounded. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are pretty average at everything. Right. I had nothing. If I didn't make it in this, I couldn't think of what I could do. So since it was so narrowed down so perfectly, my options, it was make or break. And once you only have one thing to do, <laughs> the pressure is on to do it. I figure anyone in my position would do anything they could if they only knew they could have a career in one field. Yeah, but Shane, you went above and beyond that. So you didn't just get a career in your field. You got a great career in your field and you work incredibly hard at that job. So that Because you- I became obsessed with it because I knew it was my only chance. And I think anyone would. No, if- but no, but a lot of people, I disagree with that. I think a lot of people would get that job and then they'd just be happy in that position. But then you're always looking to do more, get to the next level, take on another project. And that's what I mean. It's like, you're always looking to level up in some way and hone your skills and get better at something and that's a quality that very few have but with you let's see what do i like here you look good right now you look nice you look really nice i don't (laughs) no i don't admire that that's just a compliment thank you okay what do i admire about you you are effortlessly intelligent for me that's like i hate when i see people like that because i want to be them and i'm mad i'm not them Mm. so if somebody can write an email with two seconds without reviewing it a hundred times and put the commas in the right places (laughs) and spell things correctly there's so many people who went to my high school who i'd be out We'd be like not partying because I didn't drink, but I'd be out with them mm-hmm. all night and we'd be like pulling prank videos or whatever. And I'd be like, oh man, too bad we didn't submit that assignment. And they'd be like, what? Shane, I submitted it. I got a 95%. I, I, you did? They're like, yeah, I, I did it on my uh, lunch break. It's like, for me, I need like weeks to complete yeah. everything. And I feel like you're very good at, you operate at a high level and can produce results. Like the way you're writing your book, that's astounding. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Like with a baby crying and people running around and you can just get into a zone where you can actually write and pay attention. I need complete silence. I need four months to myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can just do that. So I admire that. I look Thank up to you. it. Thank you. I like that. I like that question. It made me feel good both ways. Mm-hmm. I feel good for Shane. I feel like I'm very much uh, gaga eyes, admiration for you. And I appreciate that. So what is something that everyone else loves that you don't or that you think is overrated. I have two things off the top. Mariah Carey and Friends. Sure, I love bopping to Mariah Carey songs, you know, some of the hits, but I feel like so many of my friends and so many of your friends, Shane, know like the Mariah Carey deep cuts and I feel like a Goomba when we're out and like everybody's singing like the B-side off of one of her freaking albums. I don't even know what it's no called. No one's and I'm singing just, B-sides. Shane, they're singing B-sides. They know me and Mariah, the old DB <laughs> song. Like that's like fantasy or whatever. No, they know more than that. And I feel like a goof. But Friends is the other one. I cannot like... Okay, I watch Friends, you know, pre-pandemic, the place that I'd get my nails done, always playing Friends. I'd watch it there. I've watched episodes in the past, primarily when I lived with roommates that like to watch it. Did I ever truly enjoy watching it or think in my head, ooh, I can't wait to get to the next episode and see what's next? No, I just, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't hate it. It just, it doesn't resonate with me. And I just, 
I just really just don't care about it at all. And so many people love it. What's this question again? What is something that people love that you don't love or you think is overrated? Hmm. This is kind of like a date night-esque question. Like how mm-hmm. we, we had a question on our last date night, which is what's something that started out bad but ended up good? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is something people love? Oh, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. You're uh, not a fantasy guy. I've been told that in many capacities. <laughs> Do you know who's not my fantasy guy? Shane. Ugh. But... um. Yeah, I I could never get into that stuff, probably because reading is so hard for me. Like, Mm -hmm. someone was, um, Rafaela put up a thing on her, like, former podcast, Rafaela Mancuso. Mm -hmm. She put up a story. It was like, this is how I read things. And all the words were, like, jumbled. She's like, I have ADHD. And that's was like, that's how I read things. I'll read, like, a word here, then it pops down, and it's moving all around when I'm reading. And it's really hard to read. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I never got into Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, which... Like, I have friends who can read very quickly and finish a book and then get super into the movie. Yeah. But I'm not able to do that. So, yeah, I'm just not into it. I Sports, like, I, I wish, like, I love playing sports. I don't love getting into facts about little mm-hmm. sports. Like, I'm in a lot of basketball groups and they're talking about all these statistics. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to follow statistics. Yeah. So, so the thing, but that's not necessarily overrated. Guys with guys, sports statistics aren't overrated. You should see Is the group. That's all these guys talk about. <laughs> and I got to pretend I know what's going on. And I often I'm scared to comment in the group chat because I'll say something stupid. And they write diatribes about every single minute detail of the game and what this means and what trade deadlines and salary caps. I cannot follow this <laughs> at all. And it's so overrated in, in my brain. Mm-hmm. All right. I like that. And see, it's funny because with the fantasy stuff, and I, I characterize uh, Game of Thrones, which I was so into because I love fantasy novels. Like I came out at the perfect time for Harry Potter. So I was so into Harry Potter. I've read every book like four times. And Lord of the Rings, love the trilogy, love the books. Game of Thrones, have read all the books to the point that they're at and watched the show. And... It's just something that I love so much and it's so easy for me to get into because I think my brain also works that way. And it's it's great with fantasy. What do you mean your brain also works that way? Like my brain works in a way where if I'm reading a fantasy novel or watching a fantasy show, that's just... I guess I have a creative brain in the sense like with writing and reading. You know what I mean? That's what I'm good at. So if I'm reading a fantasy book, it's like my brain's just working. It's trying to figure out the end, trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I love it. And like I love it so much. And I love consuming that. But then you, you're more of a rational person. Do you think that comes into why you can't get into stuff like that? Am I rational? Jeez, you're no one, super rational. No one's ever told me that before. I'm rational. Hmm. I like that. I feel so... Uh adult and responsible (laughs) um because i'm rational i can't like fantasize yeah i'm wondering if that is a Mm. part of it come to think of it yeah as a child i always had trouble playing with action figures or doing anything like that and getting into cartoons as a kid was hard for me okay so yeah that could be it action films superhero films i I could never get into Mm -hmm. anything with emotional through line i'm really good at following but anything else i'm terrible at following a plot characters names where it's going spy films i could never do like yeah only emotional indie films i'm good at watching okay so when the girls one thing that i've been excited for about parenthood since i was a teenager 
was for when my kids are old enough that I can read them Harry Potter. Like I will sit there at night and read with them in bed and I cannot wait to do that. Are you going to sit and read the books too and I'll read it to you as well? Am I just listening to the book? Am yeah, I reading? you're like, no, you're you're listening and cuddling with the girls while I'm reading it. Sure, yeah. I, speaking of fantasies, I fantasize about that and I have for like two decades now. I cannot wait for that moment. Anyhow, next question. What are your favorite things to do during lockdown? Eat. <laughs> I love eating Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell's amazing. For me, okay, it's sports racket paddle ball. Drinking coffee in the morning. I love yes, our coffee, coffee routine. Coffee. But it's it's like more than just a regular coffee. Like we bought a really beautiful French press right before the pandemic. We buy this amazingly flavored, tasty coffee from Fortino's, which is, it's a Loblaws company, I think. Hazelnut and cinnamon is the best. Oh my god! Like we buy the beans. We grind, I grind the beans. I smell the beans. Lucy even smells the beans. Yeah. Lucy doesn't like to smell the beans, but she just likes the ritual. And that's the way we are in the mornings. And it's just so fun. It is so fun. And it's such a peaceful time of the day. And the light's coming in nice in the kitchen where we're pouring the coffee. It's beautiful. So racket, sports racket, paddleball game, coffee, and date night. I really love those things. Food, food though. Food is Well, big. food is a huge part of date night too, babe. Yeah. Getting yummy food is the best. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, running i really got into running i wasn't that mm. into it before and when it's the only thing you can do i'm like addicted to running every day all right so i really love this next question is so interesting if aliens appeared tomorrow and wanted one human to represent and speak on behalf of the world what human would you choose is it between you or i no any human so who would you choose to speak on behalf of humanity to aliens because I, I had so many thoughts in my well, head. Well, it's got to be Barack through. Obama. Just okay. because I feel like he would be he would be good at it being the president that we trust, right? Well, he'd be, I think he'd be charming and I think he'd be fair and not imposing. So you were going to say him? I have two people written down. He's number one. But the other person that I wrote down is like opposite Barack Obama. And I might end up going with them. Vladimir Putin. Because... He, Hear me out. No, I don't. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's like an evil guy, right? Yeah, he's like got that evil, charming thing, right? Like he's very charismatic, but he's got the strong man personality. So it's like he could charm the aliens. However, if he, if we needed somebody to scare the aliens, he'd be that person too. So he could play either side of the coin. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he'd be the unfortunately the person to go to between you or i only one of us can speak to the aliens who would you want to send out there me i think i do a better job why because i believe in them <laughs> i think they i believe in aliens <laughs> i thought you didn't no what you what you think i'm an idiot <laughs> of course there has to be aliens like just play the odds no i know drake equation baby but what's that it's the equation a mathematical equation um from the you know There's astrologist way too many Drake. numbers here right now and he he just figured out the probable number of planets with intelligent life which and there's like tons okay so why why you keep in mind these aliens aren't going to be like attracted to you in any way no, so you're not, I'm gonna not be thinking they are they're not gonna be attracted to you either you never know <laughs> but wh why you over me because i think that i'm the rational one here well, I'm the effortlessly intelligent one here. 
Yeah, but I put so much effort into trying to be intelligent that that could pay <laughs> off. And I feel like I could, I feel like I'm more swaying than you. Okay, you, that is 100% true. And if they turn out to be scary aliens, I just start crying and that might get me into trouble. Yeah, and I have enough separation when it comes to extreme anxiety where I can be oddly calm. And I feel like you don't possess that. Okay, so you or Vladimir Putin? Well, Putin is going to win. <laughs> but I mean, like between you or I, I'm shocked, quite frankly, that you said you. Well, only because I think I, I, I'm excited about it. And it's like something I'd want to see. Alex, imagine you had to run the emails. Like I know I take a while sending them. But my everything I is very effective, right? No, you oh, you're an incredibly effective emailer, and you are very good at um, persuading persuasion, and you know making people see your side of things. So I do agree that you'd be very good at that. So you would you say I persuaded you to m- believing <laughs> that I'd be better? Yeah. Okay. So you win. There you go. That was the test. That was the ultimate test, and you win. I like that. Next question. Do you ever give your friends relationship advice and would you ever say that they should leave their partner? So I only give them advice if they were to ask me. Other than that, I stay out of it. Like maybe when we were 15, I'd be like, oh, he's a mean or whatever. I'd tell them. But in real relationships, only if they ask. And I wouldn't ever suggest that they leave their partner unless, you know, something was unsafe, unless they were being disrespectful, like their partner was incredibly disrespectful to them or there was, you know, obviously some kind of like abuse happening, whether like verbal, mental, physical is the obvious thing. But if everybody was safe and everybody was being respectable and I just didn't like the person, I wouldn't tell my friend that they should leave them just because I didn't like them or get a great vibe from them because you, you can't judge how people jive and things like that. What about you? You can't judge how people drive? No, how they jive with other people. Oh, jive. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I give advice all the time. I'll I'll give my opinion. I feel like I'm very intuitive in that way in relationships. When they ask or if both, they're not asking. Both, yeah. I'll, I'll, like I've had friends who've been like, I really like this girl. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've got a bad feeling about her. This happened. It feels like she's not into you in the way she should be at this mm. point. If you're gaga for her, I'm telling you, I'm not getting the vibe that she's gaga for you. Anyway. I've, I've, I've probably been right 100% of the time. 100% of the time? Yes. I've And when uh, something works too, I'm very good. Like, uh, for instance, I set my friend up with his wife. Mm-hmm. I was on their first date with them. It was a double date. And I said to the person I was dating at the time, oh my goodness, they're already closer than you and I are. I said this to my date. <laughs> and they've just met. And we've been dating for months. Wow, they're really going to work out. Anyway, they've been together for over 10 years at this point and me and the person i'm was on that date with are broken up was that person offended that you said that to her yes extremely <laughs> you know i was just making an observation you know i have impulsive tendencies where i say things i shouldn't say well i mean you weren't wrong it's a problem too and i wouldn't give this advice to give other people advice especially if it's unsolicited like mm-hmm. you're saying but if the question is do i do that yes and i feel like the people i do bring it up to I'm close enough with them where I get a pass. I'm, right. It's like that Shane, he's like that. And I'm, it's funny how Shane is. Yeah. Yep. No, I get that. And, but you are incredibly intuitive when it comes to that kind of thing. All right. So our final question, Shane, this is for you. And it says, if this isn't too personal, how is your mom doing? 
Uh, not, not good now. It comes in waves. Often she's in bed by like seven. She's very weak. So chemotherapy seems to really take it out of you, which I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. people know. I have no idea how it feels. It doesn't seem to be as excruciatingly painful, at least at this early going, as I thought it was going to be for her. It more just like a lethargic feeling that mm-hmm. she's experiencing. Uh, her spirits are up. My mom is very brave when it comes to this. Like she's not acting how I think a lot of people might think you would act in this situation but yeah hit hit and miss day to day and i would say even further than that it's like moment to moment Mm -hmm. so she will have a good morning bad afternoon and then a great night whatever so it's yeah totally random no that's good and and that's it babe well thank you for ending with the cancer question alex (laughs) i like how you ordered these i'm really gonna bum him out at the end (laughs) Shane Shane will really get a kick out of this. Like I'm sorry. Like you are producing this segment, right? You know, like maybe you put that one in the middle. I'm sorry, babe. Okay, but hey everyone, if you enjoy this podcast, this episode, this anything, like Alex, give us a five star rating, give us a comment. We really do appreciate it. One comment is the equivalent to I think like two thousand downloads. So they are so important and we do really, really appreciate it. But just listening to this episode is enough, so no pressure there. But thank you so much for listening to this, this Family, Family Tree, Tree podcast. podcast, episode eighty three.